Welcome back. My name is Chris. I'm tired. I'm Andy. <laughs> and I'm also tired, but named Steve. <laughs> and this is Streaming Things, the number one Stranger Things podcast in the world. And that's not all we are. We talk about a whole host of movies and TV shows. A ho ho host? <laughs> that's my little Santa Claus intro. You like that? I did. <laughs> so Christmas in July, baby. We just finished the uh, finale of Stranger Things 4, Volume 2. We're going to be talking about that right now. And I need you to bear with us because as uh, Steve and Andy alluded to, we're exhausted because we had the day jobs. We got all this stuff going on. We got other content on other platforms. There's a lot going on. And that was a long, long episode. So there's so much to cover. I actually ran out of ink and one of my pens in the middle of this show, I had to run and get Andy's. Andy's got this little tiki man holder of pens and I had to go grab one. And I did. And I did. And I, there's two pages of notes. Most of us have multiple pages of notes. That is the Tiki Man of infinite pens. I don't think I've ever actually put any in there. And yet it continues to produce. Them. It just spawns them. Um, I just want to point out that listeners, since you last, since the last episode that you listened to uh, about chapter eight, Andy has gone to work, worked a full-ass day, came back home, ate wings, watched the finale, and now he's here. So the man hasn't slept since the last time like you heard his voice. Like motherfucking boss. No. I was able to edit the episode and sleep for like five hours in the afternoon because I took the day off. But these two crazy jabronis, mm. they, they were in it for the long haul. It's been, uh, it's been a lot. So just forgive us a little bit because not only is it such a long episode and we do the recaps scene by scene so there's a lot to cover there but there's a lot of ideas you know we want to talk about the whole season so we might not get to everything that you want there's going to be more episodes is mm -hmm. what we're getting at give it yeah. a couple days we'll do a giant mailbag episode uh and then probably even a week or so after that we'll do a, a look back at season four in general do our season five predictions those kinds of things so there'll be two more episodes but we'll dive into all of the actual meat of the episode right now. Uh, and you, you'll get the taters later. What's, Do you know what taters are? What's taters, precious? Potatoes, Steve. Boil mash, I'm sticking them in a stew. That's what I'm getting to, buddy. Exactly. Speaking of wings that Andy ate, we all three ate wings. They're, dude, they're this stuff of life. I actually feel pretty good right now. My that, dude. that was actually a gift mm -hmm. from one oh, of our yeah. listeners, mm -hmm. Reese. Venmoed us so that we could buy dinner while we watched the finale, and we did. That was the nicest thing in the yeah. world. Wow! Thank you so much. We here's what's so funny. This episode is officially sponsored by Reese. It is not Reese's Pieces. Well, we had some of Reese's Pieces. Pe Reese's Pieces of chicken. <laughs> well, I think that was supposed to be private. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry. What's so funny about that is we wouldn't have bought the food without it. Like you literally bought us food because we. We didn't have money for that. So yeah. <laughs> like, Thank I you cannot so stress enough. I'm not being funny. And I am so grateful. Andy's had this post pig out glow about him uh, all <laughs> evening. And that's all thanks to you, Reese. I just have a glaze of buffalo sauce. <laughs> <laughs> He's covered in multiple different kinds of shame glaze right now. Some of it's thanks to Reese. Some of it's thanks to me. <laughs> Definitely Reese's pieces. But 
if it wasn't for Reese, we would have been eating nothing but Heath bars. And thank fucking thank God. Fucking God, you're the real hero. <laughs> no, in the oh middle of goodness. that finale, we got another team Heath email. So I'm just saying, you guys. And Andy actually. There I, are dozens of us. Andy, Andy <laughs> ate a Heath bar while watching the finale. That is not a lie. I did. That was a real thing that happened. Uh, so, yeah, thank you so much, Reese. That was wonderful. Uh, also, we've been talking a lot about the movies anywhere giveaway. You know, they were nice enough to give us mm-hmm. uh, three movie codes. Each code is good for four 4K movies that you can redeem on the Movies Anywhere app. You have to register for the app. It's an app that lets you uh, house all of your digital libraries from different things like Amazon, iTunes, Voodoo, all those places in one place and do a lot of other neat things. And it's a copy of It from 1982. I'm sorry, uh, 2017. The Thing from 1982 uh, Alien from 1979 and Firestarter, the brand new one from 2022. All four copies of those movies for, in each coat. So there's three lucky winners. And we pick those winners with a randomizer using our patrons. And they are A. Wells. Congratulations. Wells. You get to watch those movies. Kevin and Elo. Elopez. Kevin all and three Elo. of you. All three of you win. So we will be direct messaging you on Patreon uh, and uh, you can let us know where we can send this to you. One to nothing. I win. That's a tenacious D quote. Sorry. Oh, okay. It wasn't relevant and I apologize. So yeah, congrats again to those three. Those three people. Thank you so much for being patrons, for loving the show, for supporting us. So I'm I'm glad we can give something back to you. We've got more giveaways planned. Uh, Some people have reached out to me via email with some other stuff I can give away. So I'm really happy about that. I will announce that in later episodes. Speaking of Patreon, you can subscribe to our Patreon at a variety of tiers uh, and get a variety of different benefits and rewards. And we would love it if you would do that because we love doing this show, but it is exhausting. We do have day jobs and uh, we need that kind of support to be able to do this as often and as hard, dare I say, as we like. We it's, want we want to do it so hard. We do. And a lot of people have stepped up to help make this happen. So many. Thank you so much. We are uh, beyond ecstatic. Uh, we got big, 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 big plans for the future. And uh, I've Huge. talked about it tons of times email us by the way there's a couple things i want to ask you to do i don't know you're dying for us to talk about the finale but i want to get this out of the way you need to email the show it's dreamingthingspod at gmail.com that's streamingthingspod at gmail.com and give us your thoughts on the finale for sure because we get a mailbag episode coming up but also uh give us some suggestions number one of films and tv show properties you'd like us to cover in the future the very near future to help us guide uh the trajectory of the show me personally chris i'm thinking house of dragon rings of power i've been saying that a lot but i'm open to suggestions okay so it's very important because you the listener are the one that has to listen to this bullshit uh feed us feed us back if you were uh and then also uh, we need you to send in recommendations for the next patreon poll uh so if you have any ideas of movies that you'd like us uh, to have the patrons vote on send those in so what we do we, we pick four movies and we let the patrons vote on what the secret special patreon episode is going to be yeah and we're letting you guys nominate them so please do that because that's a short window of time that we need a poll to be created. If nobody sends those ideas in, we'll just come up with some random shit that we want to watch. Yeah. You know, and that's not as fun. If it's not something that we wouldn't normally pick, it's Don't not as fun for me you. With a good time, Chris. Yeah, it'll just be Lord of the Rings again. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> yeah, boil and mash them, stick them in a stew. So that that covers that. That's the the feedback that we need from you. Uh, we've also got. Uh, so I talked about the mailbag. Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder comes out next week. So we'll be covering that on the main feed. Uh, Andy, Steve, and I are going on Thursday night sure to the are. premiere of that. And we'll do an episode that'll probably drop a couple days later on Thor, Love, and Thunder. So both of those are going to be done. Love and Thunder. Mm. Most people thought we were only going to do Love, but we always bring the Thunder. Those are three things in that movie. That's damn right. Uh, there's Thor, there's Love, uh, and there's Thunder. Holy shit, the, tr- the Holy Trinity. 
<laughs> Isn't that right? That is the I'm pretty sure. Thor, Love, and Thunder. <laughs> PC so, with you. You can follow us on all social medias at StreamThingPod on Twitter. And uh, what else is there? <laughs> <laughs> I am at Movies Art Therapy on TikTok. At Andy Most Days. And I'm at Steve May 13. That's right, baby. You can follow us all at those things. We very much appreciate that. That way we can interact with you and nerd out on stuff. That's what we love doing. But before we get in to the meat of the show, mm. on the finale, one last really important thing. Let's do the Mad Lib. Everybody's it's, favorite. Yeah, it's this episode's appetizer before we get to that meat. Mm. It gets ready for teeth, if you will. Mm. And Good on one, Andy. today's menu, the appetizer is called Stranger Talk. So this is our, our Mad Libs for today. It's called Stranger Talk. Are you ready to give I, me the words to put the pen to the paper and make this story happen? I am. <laughs> All right, first up, <laughs> I need an adjective. Adjective. Ah, uh, fuck, I wasn't ready. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> bulbous. Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur. Part of the body. Uh, nostril. Verb. Expunge. Plural noun. Pupils. As in students. Just to be I'm clear. I'm glad you said that because I was thinking eyes. <laughs> Plural noun. Not so easy, is let's, it? Let's be weird with this one, guys. Let's just be weird. Right, let's get weird with it. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Aborigines. I, I totally didn't know how to spell that, so... <laughs> you did it right, buddy. I don't think I did. <laughs> Type of liquid. Syrup. Ooh, syrup? Any special kind of syrup? Maple. Maple. No, coconut. Coconut? Yeah, you ever been to Hawaii and get oh, that man. coconut syrup on your pancakes? I said get weird and my boy's getting weird. <laughs> this guy, Which this is guy fucking Very listens. similar in, in viscosity and look to what Andy wanted. <laughs> yep. I probably cut that part, but I'll leave this part in. <laughs> Verb ending in I-N-G. Choking. Noun. Chicken. Part of the body. Adam's apple. It's the medical term for it. Mm-hmm. Adjective. Biblical. Verb. Postulate. Noun. Force. Person in the room. Brian Gosling. There's a picture of him that counts. <laughs> Last but not least, to end this story out, I need an adjective. Make it a good one. Get weird, baby. I mean, get weird. That's the weirdest adjective. Get weird. Loose? Okay. Loose. Should I not? Loosey goosey? <laughs> I don't like your face. Right now. Okay. No. So that, that is the story. If you want to find out why I was trepidatious, tune in to the end oh, of the episode adjective. to see what this is going to be. I don't how, want to. How strange is the stranger talk? Find out soon. Okay. I am somewhat worried, but it is what it is, as my dad used to say. Uh, so now it's finally time to talk about chapter nine of Stranger Things 4, this time volume two. Uh, the Piggyback is the name of the episode, and Netflix describes it thusly. With selfless hearts and a clash of metal, heroes fight from every corner of the battlefield to save Hawkins and the world itself. And that is as epic as it sounds. So let's just briefly, there's so much to talk about, so many big ideas. I'm sure we all have strong feelings. And then we actually have to talk about, you know, the the scene-by-scene scene playback itself. And I think this is going to be very difficult. So I'll try to guide the discussion. But I do overall, without giving any details as to why, 
I think it might be interesting to share just a minute or so of just your overall thoughts. How are you feeling right now? We just turned the, the TV off 20 minutes ago, right? Our wings are still digesting. Thank you, Reese. So Andy. Yes. How are you feeling at this moment about okay. what you just witnessed? So this episode was like equal parts, mind-blowingly, insanely awesome, and also maddeningly infuriating. And there was parts, there were some serious, serious highs and some pretty low valleys for me. Um, overall, I would say that it stuck the landing, but it did not stick it anywhere the way that I wanted it to. And I'm disappointed in a lot of the choices that they made, but I will say that the way that they executed those choices, they did flawlessly. It's just, they, they, they went in a direction with quite a few things that I was hoping that they wouldn't. Um, but overall, I mean, it was a phenomenal finale. Uh, before we started, I asked both of you guys, do you think that they're going to uh, earn the runtime on this? Or if it ought to have been a couple of episodes split apart? Because we know that sometimes they TV shows just do that. They're like, and cut. And then you just got to wait till the next one. And in a binge model, it, it's that's fine. For some reason, the Duffer brothers decided that this one needed to be two and a half hours for some reason. And uh, I think that it actually did justify itself. I think that there was a logical pacing that the, the I agree how they did it, um, especially when they essentially turned to the camera and said, hey, we're in act one. Well, they call them phases, but hey, we're in act one. Hey, we're in act two. And that was pretty cool. Um, Phase was, four flambe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, overall, I enjoyed the episode a ton. I just am um, still processing the decisions that they made with it. Okay, Steve. Uh, I think that they they really nailed this episode. They There's a lot of threads kind of all throughout um, the storyline, you know, the characters, the characters are so separated, like the most separated they've ever been in the show. Mm -hmm. People, they're literally in different countries, opposite ends of another country, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think they really, really tied those storylines together very, very efficiently. And it worked very well. Um, there are a couple like nits I have to pick with a couple small things. Uh, but overall, like that, that didn't diminish my enjoyment of it. Cause you know, there was a lot of talk leading up into this episode like who's gonna die how awful is it gonna be like some people were saying how like this is the game of thrones season for stranger things so they're gonna kill a lot of people you know there was this rumor we, we i don't know i think we talked about it in the after hours episode chris but there was this rumor going around that the duffer said five people are dying and, mm -hmm. and it was like who's the five i quoted nancy on that early i said bullshit bullshit <laughs> that's bullshit um and you know <sighs> I, I understand this need of like, hey, every, there needs to be stakes. Characters need to die. But at the same thing, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know what? That doesn't feel like Stranger Things to me, though. Uh, and I think this episode proved to be nowhere near as bad in terms of characters dying that people were kind of making it out to be. Like, I look at that Noah Schnapp photo and kind of chuckle now. Like, well, what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's just a really good actor. Yeah, he's, you, what's yeah. going on in that? <laughs> what are we doing? He's like, they didn't give me a lot on script, so I'll do it on social media instead. Uh, so it wasn't nearly as bad as people were kind of thinking it was going to be. And I think it was the, the Stranger Things appropriate level of bad to where it's still like, ah, I still am having a good time and I don't feel like wrecked. But at the same time, I feel the weight of the situation that the characters find themselves in uh, come to the end of the episode, uh, to the end of the season, I should say. Uh, so overall, I loved it. 
had a great time. And Andy's right. It did justify its uh, length. Because mm-hmm. where would you have cut it in that two and a half? You know what yeah, I mean? That would have been stupid. hour and a half is like basically the climax. It, it's very <laughs> Return of the Kingy, right? So, I mean, where it's, it just is what it is. You got to wrap up all There's these a bunch threads. Of endings. Yes. And I loved all the endings that they threw in at the end. Like Erica started flashing that flashlight and Lucas was like, Gondor calls for aid. Yeah. Which was and crazy. And will answer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was Max. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounded just Chris, like her. What did you think? Um, I so I'm ecstatic. I I, I loved this episode. Um, I I wept in some strange places that I'll, I'll I think I'm going to get really personal in this episode. So I'm excited for that. Some of our new listeners don't know that I tend to do that. I'm a softy, uh, but also I'm a little disappointed at certain things. Mostly, like I said, the marketing. I don't remember which episode was it. The after hours when I went really ape shit on that. It was the last episode. Oh, it was our last coverage yeah, of chapter. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, I was, I think. That was this morning. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Chris, literally that was less than 24 hours ago. Oh my God. <laughs> so how I feel is that that is why I'm disappointed. It has nothing to do with the context of the show. It's the direction that they went in marketing. And I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, dare I say, less media literate folks that are extra upset with this episode simply because of that marketing. And that's an unfortunate fact. Uh, there was no reason for Netflix itself and the Duffer brothers to play into this and like tease everybody about who might die and what might go on. Um, it, it played up this giant thing that it didn't need to be like, you have such a beautiful show that has built these characters. Like I would watch these characters just actually live in a boring town in Indiana and play D and D. That's how much I love oh, these yeah. characters. Same. Yeah. And so you don't need uh, and people took the wrong lesson from Game of Thrones, like George Martin's whole thing in the 90s when he wrote those books was that, hey, I've got this fantastical world. I want to uh, keep the reader turning the page and actually fear for the main characters like nobody has plot armor. Nobody is safe. Right. And that was a fresh, new, exciting approach that he took to storytelling. OK, but I think people took the wrong lesson from that. And when they talk about raising stakes, they, they just think about murdering characters for no reason whatsoever. And that's not even George Martin wasn't about that. Right. You had to build to it. And when the Duffer brothers said that this season was going to be like Game of Thrones, what they meant was that all the characters were very separate. That's Mm -hmm. all they meant by that. Yeah. And everybody immediately took it to mean different things. Right. And the Internet does that. Internet's going to Internet. Also, there will be swords. Yeah, that's true. They <laughs> might admit that too. There will be swords. <laughs> there was a fire fight. Joy should have been like, does this sword have a name? Hop. <laughs> <laughs> so I think maybe I fell into that, if I'm being honest, a little bit as well. And I don't know. I, I need to sit with it a little bit. Right. Part of me is disappointed. Um, I, like I would have said before Steve spoke, I would have said I'm disappointed that ultimately st- season four ended up being the same thing that every other season is right uh it's uh we take away the new beloved character we we wrap things up we leave you with a little foreboding at the end and that's it and so there's nothing to separate itself except in scale from any of the other seasons and i would have said i was disappointed about that until steve gave that speech about uh stranger things is stranger things and this is the heart of the show and it's it's got a recognizable beat and maybe that's not a bad thing maybe that's just what makes it the show that it is uh, and maybe that's true. And I would argue like there are similarities with how this season ends to the other ones. But I, I, I think that this season ends in a place where it's like what things are very different. All these characters are 
going to have to face a lot of completely different things. You know, 11 lost technically for the first time. The town knows there's something wrong with Hawkins. The world knows something's wrong with Hawkins. Sort of. I mean, well, they once the again thing. did the news, the news saying, hell, there, there's hell going on in Hawkins. Yeah. And well, the, the well kids season are one, that, that was before the, the gates started becoming volcanoes. Yeah. Season one, you get... Um, uh, Will vomiting the slug, so you don't know what that is. Season two, you get the mind flare lurking over the snowball school. Mm-hmm. Season three, uh, I forget, but I'm sure there was something really foreboding. Maybe it was just the end with Hopper and all that goodbyes and stuff was the sadness of that. But you get the newscast of the hell and Hawkins. Mm-hmm. And then in season four, you get, of course, it's the biggest scale version of it, but it's still just everybody reunites. Everything's wrapping up. But wait. And this time it's like fucking Mordor is <laughs> like Hawkins is becoming Mordor. So the scale's different, but ultimately the beats are there. Um, and I really did want some actual consequences beyond what we got. And I'm not and not in a masochistic way, but I think the story needed it. Right. Um, we've got a lot of characters to balance and, and and maybe you're taking a little bit. of Now, at the same time, there's some stuff in this episode that definitely hurt me, hurt me too hard. And we'll talk about that later. What did the episode touch you? Chris? <laughs> it did hurt me very hard. And show me on Severus Snape. I, show me on Severus Snape. Where did this? Where did this I wouldn't do that to you? Snape because, the, you know, I trusted the show. Get your uh, hands but off me. <laughs> so it's very powerful. Let's get into it. Uh, we can talk specifically about it when we get to those scenes. Like, again, this is an unwieldy size, right? So we're going to do our best to do our normal thing with this episode. Um, God, it's going to be so hard to pick chocolate puddings because there was some really strong highlights. Yeah, uh, spoiler, my chocolate puddings are all cheats. So, yeah, sorry. I've, I've got five stars <laughs> next half. to nine scenes and I stopped writing yeah. some. Uh, uh, there's a solid 60 minutes. That's my number one. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the the episode opens in Russia with Yuri working on the, the chopper. Katinka. Uh, I think it's Tachinka. Pachinko. <laughs> uh, Yuri's, uh, yeah, I think he pockets a piece, like a spark plug. I'm a pretty yeah. mechanical person. He po- uh, <laughs> pockets a spark plug from the, the chopper, and he goes on this rant about how he makes his women make noise. It's very misogynistic. We're, you know, It's like, damn it, Yuri, we thought you were better than that. And Murray then, wouldn't know anything about that, of course. <laughs> inside the warehouse, we get this really cool scene, this dynamic of Joyce and Hopper finding some clean clothes amongst the pile. Uh, and it's a little sensitive. Sensuous, right? So they they start de- disrobing separately, and then they're kind of taking a gander at one another, and then they unite. Talk a lot about uh, Hopper goes into this how he's been fantasizing about the date at Enzo's, and and Joyce specifically about the breadsticks. I know <laughs> they do sound real good. My boy has his priorities straight. I'm just apparently saying. Enzo's is just Olive Garden. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's you got endless breadsticks and <laughs> but, salads. That's but the fancy dude, restaurant. If you had an Olive Garden in Hawkins in the '80s, that shit would be fire. <laughs> Go there and get a nice chanty. You know, when you're there, you're family. So I mean, <laughs> that's the good thing. And then in this moment, they finally. Finally kiss. Uh, and they're interrupted by the KGB cock blockers mm. on the other line. Because the phone rings and it's the uh, Paul Reiser government with assuming that the KGB is listening. And then the scene cuts. and We find out later. Uh, how did you guys feel about uh, Hop, Hop and Joyce finally kissing? It's been four seasons, oh I feel like, God, I for a while. So much. Yeah? So much. Yeah, it's very, very cathartic. It was a good moment. Um, 
Yeah. And especially at the end of this episode when they're holding hands and like, that's just their thing. Now they've always been a thing in our minds. I'm sure Murray was finally happy. He's like, God, spare me, spare me all this nonsense. Right. Yeah. He's just happy. He's like, finally, <laughs> someone's been listening. <laughs> When's Murray going to find love? That's what I'm wondering. It's next season. <laughs> uh, and then we cut to Nancy and her whole plan. Uh, they, how does this even go? It was three hours ago now. Follow the phases is basically <laughs> what she says. You stick to the goddamn plan no matter what. Yeah. But there's, there's essentially uh, three teams of them, right? So Max, Lucas, and Erica are going to go to the Creole house and use Max's bait. Um, Nancy, Robin, and Steve are going to go into the Upside Down so that they can actually kill the physical form of Vecna. And then Dustin and Eddie are going to provide a distraction to, from the demo bat so that those three can get into the Creole house in the Upside Down. Correct. And there's this really cool gearing for battle montage uh, where they all suit up from the the various accoutrements that they got from Warzone and other places, apparently yeah. gardening sheds. I love those the shots of the of everything just dropping. It's the they have like the camera fixed down yeah. and they're doing really cool cuts between like everything dropping. Fall, the My note fall. said yeah. Steve Climb and Mattress. So I was the why I'm glad you guys took over because I was <laughs> scrambling. But I remember now Steve does this really dope he does somersault a flip and looks up like yeah i'm cool and then they you all know, just drop you know when that when they did that shot and steve lands in the upside down they're like that's in the trailer we're putting that <laughs> in every fucking trailer he looks so cool <laughs> he did look super cool steve the hair harrington uh, and then we cut to 11 in the crew at the gas station and uh who are they calling there i think it's like an airline they're, they're trying, trying to, to get tickets to hawkins yeah, yeah. jaybird's trying to find someone's manager so we can get a an airline and our guy's like why don't we just stow away in the cargo compartment <laughs> yeah my man, the baggage my dude listen man like dogs breathe in there and he's got a point they should have listened to argyle but instead 11 looks at this uh what's it called it's a giant sign at the board it's a billboard <laughs> thank you andrew uh she sees a billboard one of the little girls on the billboards piggybacking <laughs> and then she gets a vision of billy and she gets the idea to uh you know it's the titular move of the show she's gonna piggyback she's gonna uh incept is that what she got from that billboard yeah the little girl yeah, was, uh, was piggybacking struggling. on the mom okay yeah that's yeah. it was the vision of billy plus the billboard it's, together it, it's not the best connection they've ever made on the show <laughs> i was just like the grand canyon huh <laughs> she turns around she's like next right <laughs> <laughs> no, we get it. You can read now, but I don't know how that helps. Uh, and then she comes up with the ideas for essentially a mind fight. And then Brenner comes out of nowhere as soon as she says mind fight. This is all very dope. <laughs> Are there going to be children? Uh, if they could fight, that would be good. My man Argyle here, he gets it. I still have a terrible wound. I've been laying over there. We can assume that Dr. Brenner is still alive, just laying in the desert. Don't touch it. <laughs> it's still tender. Then we cut back to Max, who for some reason has no shoes on. And I don't feel like that's the way to go in that old... Mur it's literally the murder house, right? There's got to be rusty nails. Mm. I was very There's upset by that. spiders. <laughs> yeah, she, we know there are spiders in that place. She's tiptoeing. She, they all have bug zapper lights, which is brilliant. I know why the Duffers did it, because those blue lights look incredible. But wouldn't flashlights have also cued them into Vecna? They would have blinked as well. Well, I think the they probably use them because they're lanterns. So they can set them down and that you don't have to worry about a flashlight tipping over and looking weird. So it's from it's a 360 lights. They have this yeah. fun way of trying to like throw in like medieval fantasy imagery into real life. Mm -hmm. What's happening here. And mm -hmm. so that was uh, to me, it felt like, you know, going through the caverns with 100% looking for the goblins and shit. Oh, because mm -hmm. of the Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
what's the word, you know, device that they always go by. That's a hundred percent what's going on. I love that. Also, I wonder if there's a sound component as well, because those things make a lot more sound than like a flashlight would. Yes. And that, that the sound design in this whole episode, first of all, the, the sound design and the editing, I think, are off the, off the charts yeah, off yeah. The charts. in this in this episode in particular. There's a point later on I actually called out a sound cue. And when we get to it, it'll be like, this is peak sound design. I love this. I shit. wrote one, too. I wonder if it's the same one. Might be. Um, but yeah, so I, I really like the blue light. Uh, Erica wrote, writes a note, found Vecna because they've decided. And they're so smart. And we know that these kids are brilliant. So it's completely believable. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really smart decisions made in this episode. Yeah, this plan is incredibly smart. It's good. Exactly. And it, But it's also believable. Like, they're veterans. They've done this shit. They've been here, right? Suit up. Go to battle like we always do. They've been in the trenches. Exactly. And I, I buy every bit of it. And uh, so Erica writes, found Vecna because her lantern's going off. Uh, but outside when she runs to give the signal for phase two, I believe is what it is already. Uh, there's like the hillbilly guy in the town that decided to, to team up with Jason and the job. Oh, I think that's phase one when she first contacts him. That's the beginning phase of phase one. one. Yeah. Okay. So there's a phase zero. Yeah. It's like when there's a new video game, there's a season zero. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah. But I think, isn't that, the, that's the same yeah. dude from the, uh, the city council who was like, you guys coming? This kid's got a point. Yeah, for and sure. I, and I guess he walked outside. I, yeah. <laughs> I guess he walked outside. They didn't really have a plan. And so he was like, well, I guess I'll just walk my dog. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He just gave up. His whole like uh, pitchfork crew was gone walking their dogs. Well, this went nowhere, but I agree with the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's real life. And right I love there. how this dude's like, oh, my gosh, there's that there's that one girl that is, you know, Lucas's sister. I'm going to call the captain of the basketball team. <laughs> yeah, that's what we got to do. He's the only. And what's he doing? He's using the football team's gear for target practice with his. With his boomsticks. USA. USA. And as absurd as that is, I loved it. It was so like apocalyptic that he was shooting those for target practice. Yeah. And his like. And it kind of shows. His flunkies are all terrified of him too. It shows his descent into madness too. Because he's literally shooting the sports. Right. Yeah. The sports don't matter to him anymore. Just this mission. Mm -mm. Yeah. We better send Ryan. I'm sick of all these fake tips. And he's like, oh, no, we're not sending Ryan. I think this is real deal, buddy. And so they find out that the kids are at the murder house. Uh, we cut back to Hopper and the gang, Hopper et al. And they learn what's been going on from the lady on the phone, that there's some uh, supernatural shit going down back in Hawkins. All their kids are involved yet again. Uh-oh, stakes are raised. So instead of trying to get back to America, they want to fight back in the prison again. And Murray's like, uh, spare me. I'm not going. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they're they're aware that all these monsters are a hive mind. So they they think that by killing them, that will somehow affect the hive mind and maybe give their kids a chance to survive. Yes. And here's the thing. This is this happens in every season. And this is what I mean. There's a lot of beats like this where somebody is safe and then they decide they have to get involved in the fight. Uh, and I started this is one of the moments I started starting to tear up. And then later on, it just hit me full force because I love that about this show. They always decide they need to get involved. And it seems kind of stupid. Like, no, you're safe. They're doing the thing. This is dumb. This is just for spectacle. The show's losing me. And then it it reaches a point in the show where it's believable that nothing would have worked had they not made that decision also. And that happens to Hopper and them here in the prison later. Like none of the other plans would have worked had Hopper not done that. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, but they always do that. They always get me. And I love that about the show. Uh, And this season more than any other though, they ramped it up a notch. I wrote a big note at the top. No one is on the sidelines. Right. And that's what I love about this episode, this season Everyone realizes because of what's going on, particularly in my country and what's going on in the world all the time these days, uh, 
and I don't know if they were trying to say this. I like to think that they were like everybody was needed in this fight. Nobody was able to be scared or to run. They all had their own little job to do. And that's the only reason that it uh, worked as well as it did, even though it didn't work out perfectly. Right. Sure. Um, anyway, I'll get into more of that later. Uh, we cut back to uh, surfer board pizza. That was Argyle's a second idea. The first one was to hide in the baggage of the airplane. Also a great idea, but nobody wanted to do that. His second idea, he took him to the local Surfer Boy Pizza, which was really cool, like Chekhov's pizza shop, because he had seen the sign when they were driving through a couple episodes back. And say, take that to Domino's. Yeah, Yeah. we're opening all across the country, man. I love how this local Surfer Boy Pizza has its very own Argyle. Yeah. (laughs) Functionally the same exact person, which, you know, growing up, up, my dudes, growing up in, 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 in that industry, that's a hundred percent a thing. Like yeah. you can, if you work, so for instance, I worked at movie theaters for the longest time. When I went to another movie theater, it was just a bunch of Steve's different people, <laughs> same exact type of people. Yes. It was, it's incredible how you like, it's just incredible how that works out. I a hundred percent know what you mean. Cause I ran a pizza shop for five years and it's a cult, right? It's just pizza people. We've all like the all got pizza tattoos and just for the most part, a certain type of person. Uh, you can just go up, give them nuts, start tossing some dough, you know? So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love how uh, Jaybird really swoops in and uh, seals the deal. Cause the other R guy was like, I don't know, man, I got to go to Taco Bell. Yeah, man. And like a tight 10, a tight 10. And then Jaybird just swoops in like, have you tried the purple sticky palm tree delight? My guy, <laughs> my dudes, <And laughs> Jaybird's that, coming in hot. I love that one, uh, thinly rolled J is enough to convince this guy to possibly forego his whole job. Well, when you get a thinly rolled, <laughs> when you get a thinly rolled J from the J bird, that's you true know it's quality. All right. <laughs> I know he turned into a different person there, right? Everything he's learned from Argyle, but his already savvy personality just combined. I know a lot of people this whole season have been like, you know, I could go if it's fine with me if they kill off Jaybird. I will stick to my guns and say those buyer boys, I am ride or die with both of them. And Jaybird is like, I love him. I was, I'm kind of bummed that this season he's been kind of, it's not his fault. He's been you know? sidelined, right? Yeah. And I really hope season five, they will get into it, but there's a scene later on the, in the show where I'm just like, yes, this, I miss this Jaybird. Yeah. Charlie, bring Heaton, him we, back. If you listen to the earlier seasons, uh, there's a lot of, probably more inappropriate stuff because we've grown as people since then, but also a lot of talk about how much we love Charlie Heaton. Uh, so we're right there with you, Steve. I don't know if you remember, but we were all big fans of, of the Jay bird character. I'm down with you. I just think the writing has kind of le- <laughs> kind of left him uh, on the sidelines. Yeah. The stories move past him. Yes. Uh, so the Argyle whips up a pie to eat while they're preparing the tub, which I thought was really funny. What a bro. And the new uh, float tank that they're making is the actual food freezer, which is fucking gross. Poor Eleven. They yank yeah, that I out, know, throw so all the disgusting. meat to the side <laughs> and then fill it with water and salt and wait for it to float. So he makes a pineapple pie. And, I love how uh, it cuts between them getting the the, the freezer, the, the freezer, Nina, ready for <laughs> <laughs> ready for Eleven. But they're cutting back to the Hawkins crew like making they're doing their, their own prep, doing their own prep for their mission. That's what's so hard about this play-by-play that I always do because there is a ton of quick cuts from like four different groups of characters doing similar things much harder later yes and it gets way worse so I'm gonna I'm gonna be jumping around a lot so while they're making the uh, freezer Nina uh, Eddie and Dustin are prepping the the upside down trailer into a ah, battle shelter. Basically, he grabs his BC Rich, uh, which was a really epic moment. 
uh, as somebody who's played one of those, big fan of guitar, Andy. Like it, he, what does he say? Like it was made to be, uh, to sit in like some, this demonic area or something. It, uh, some kind of epic metal yeah, sounding uh, sentence, yeah, right? It was and awesome. He's preparing for it, slings it on his back like a, like a sword and prances out. And then back to Nancy, Robin, and Steve. They're lost in the woods. Uh, we get this really, really beautiful moment where Steve does some introspection, talks about how he used to crawl backward as a baby and then he's, Thank, thankful to to Nancy for dumping him and allowing him to grow as a person, uh, which is a really mature thing to do. And that's that's Nancy's falling back in love with him. You can tell she's really. Oh my God, that is what? Am I, what are these feelings I'm feeling? Right. Let me walk backwards, right? <laughs> walk backwards together. So he's. But calling. we need to talk about them six kids because yeah. that's a no no. That's <laughs> a lot. That's not a bingo. So he's basically <laughs> professing his love to her, uh, and then Robin calls out that we, you know, she found the the upside down murder house. <laughs> I love Robin in this section because, uh, like you said, Steve and Nancy are having this really big heart to heart, and Robin interrupts. And like, guys, great news. We aren't lost. We have been going the right way. Like, thanks, Robin. Yeah. A lot we of totally needed that early on in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, she pulled a C3PO and I love it. <laughs> That's a really good analysis of what are, the function of her character a lot of the time. <laughs> C3PO. Uh, but yeah, and She's there's on stories to the Ewoks and shit. <laughs> guys, there's... it's me, Robin. You might not recognize me because of my red arm. <laughs> Sorry, that's a Force Awakens joke. <laughs> There's a light in the tower in the Upside Down because that's Erica, and she knows that they can see it. That's their brilliant plan. This is where the, like, the plan starts to come to complete fruition. I really understand what they're doing, and it's brilliant, right? So they see that the phase one has started, so they wait by the light for more instructions because they can actually hear Erica's voice if they stay by that light. Cut back to Russia. Uh, they're, they're in the prison. All the guards are in the prisons fighting the Demogorgons. Uh, they hear gunfire and all this shit breaking off. The, Demog the Demogorgons have completely taken over the prison, uh, which is kind of good because they're almost easier to fight than hundreds of military, right? So that's like, whew, thank God we know how to fight these things. And then <laughs> they don't feel that way at the time, but they'll look back on it like, that is actually a plus. <laughs> and then there's a moment where we get Yuri versus Antonov. And this fight goes way differently than I thought it would. Because as he's leaving, Hopper's like, you get that fucking bird in the air no matter what. And then uh, Antonov's like, Jaybird? I've never met him. And he's like, no, no, the, the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so Antonov decides to have an emotional appeal to Yuri. And he's like, you know, I are you a coward? I thought you were a war hero. Uh, he fought the Chinese in Damansky. And is, are you the same person that did that or not? And Yuri's actually like, shit, I feel really bad, actually. Like, I have spark plug in pocket. There's no peanut butter. What am I even doing? What does a Yuri to do? Because <laughs> he explains to him, hey, look, if these guys lose, uh, the whole world's going to die. It's going to get the motherland. This was a minor nit, uh, and I wanted to ask you guys. Pick the nit, Steve. I wanted to ask you guys Take to my make mirth. sure I wasn't missing anything, but have they alluded to the fact that Yuri was a war hero before this? Not that I recall. They have not, and I think this was an effective way to reveal that. He's like, you know, the, the legendary peanut butter smuggler used to be a hero. Everybody talks yeah, about this. Yeah, but I his, also feel like that would have been brought up beforehand because up to at this what point, point, well, when uh, Murray's impersonating him and the, the general's like, ah, so this is the peanut butter smuggler, not the hero of demand. actually makes sense why the military general in the prison or whatever would actually have heard of the peanut butter smuggler because he's an ex soldier of, I, I of guess repute. Just, up to this point, this guy has been depicted as a hundred percent smarm. Not a good bone in this dude's body. And then into appeals to his better angels that hasn't been really established at all yet. And that's what he's like. Ah, you're right. You got me. <laughs> Get my back on this, Andy. 
Um, so, uh, I mean, I'm not hundred percent against it. I'm just I, saying, I, I agree. Nope, you're done. I agree with the conceit that, uh, if he was a war hero, that does lend, lend to the idea of a general being, uh, in some similar circles, bumping elbows with them, you know? However, when I, all I, right, that's all I needed to hear the response to have been something other than I've heard how crazy you are instead of like, it could have been like, I heard you've gone crazy and you used to be one of us, you know, or something, mm-hmm. something along those lines. Maybe, but that could have been a little more hammy too. I understand what you're saying. I, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. Sure. Uh, it's we, not a deal breaker at all because. Tiny knit. I like, there's bigger knits in this episode. I love both these actors, and I think they handle yes. it incredibly well. And the scene is, is a good scene. I just wish there was a little bit more of a. Of a setup set for up this to, to pay it. off. Yeah. That's, I, I, a little I bit hear more you. there. We hear you. Uh, we just feel differently. We? Yeah, the listeners and I. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just, I'm assuming we're all on the same page and it's us and Steve, you know? That's Me just how I feel. Against the thousands. <laughs> I am the Eddie Munson of the podcast. Uh, no, <laughs> let's not talk about him yet. So then uh, we cut back to Max and Lucas. They can't talk in the house because Vecna will hear them. They're passing notes that are really cute. Uh, and, um, Lucas asks her out essentially because they've been broken up for six or eight months or whatever. And he's, Hey, when all this is over, do you want to go see a movie? Which is not bode well. Immediately. I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Something bad's going to happen. And, uh, she draws a cute little yes note of them, you know, stick figures sitting in a movie theater. And then phase two begins is what we cut to then. Uh, and I thought to myself, and this is never brought up, but I just wanted to make a note of it just in case it comes, it kind of comes into play in a different way, but I'm really hoping they thought about having extra batteries for the Walkman that's keeping Max safe. <laughs> yeah. With the Kate Bush songs. Cause back in the eighties, I don't know about you. I had a game gear that took six batteries and it was in the nineties, but still. Mm-hmm. And that motherfucker would six hours tops. Oh, game, that game was like a be color like four hours. Backlit yeah. screen though. Like, I had a game yeah. gear too. And that those things, just used uh, batteries like nothing. Yeah, and we were poor, so it was like Sonic. Woo! This is fun. It's ten a.m. two p.m. Shit. <laughs> Mom, can I have more batteries? No, Fuck we're no. Poor. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Back to doodling. Wish I could draw. <laughs> I was like Will Good at art. You know what I mean? Like uh, Dragon. My mom's like, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this poor little idiot i'll give him batteries <laughs> here, here you go <laughs> just play video games it's all you got let's be honest uh so we cut back to uh max starts calling him out because that's the next part of the phase right so she calls out vecna she's like hey vecna you little bitch <laughs> what are you waiting for <laughs> i'll be your next vecna <laughs> Which Ooh, is I see a, what you did there. Yeah, it's nice. actually cool. I hope that catches on. Uh, we cut to Mike trying to get Ernest with Eleven, and it's interrupted by a big kind of a jump scary another cock block issue right where he drops a pineapple pizza between them all the time in this episode well this whole the editors had a blast with this episode and i actually love them for it because i did as well kept me on my toes because it's a long episode so you need that snappy editing it was almost edgar wright good you know what i mean uh editing uh editing Editing? (laughs) steve (laughs) you're an editor (laughs) (laughs) i call him editing i'm going i'll I'll take that name yeah Eddie, that's me. What did you think of the editing in general? Yeah, no, it was a wonderfully edited show. Like the the, the, the editing is not just about like fancy cuts, right? <laughs> Steve like was impressive. fucking buffering. <laughs> editing, uh, <laughs> editing is not about all just fancy cuts. I mean, that's super impressive when someone can do that. But editing is mostly about accentuating 
performances and providing great structure and flow to the story that the editor or the filmmakers have shot. And this episode is really, really well done. I mean, it's two and a half hours long, but not once did I check my phone sure. or my watch, I should say. It felt like a uh, the opposite of Kenobi. The skills on display of editing here. Oh, yeah. It's night and day. Night and day. <laughs> night and day. So they dropped the pineapple pizza in the middle of Mike trying to get Ernest, which was a good moment. What, is, what are your guys' thoughts on pineapple pizza? I actually am a huge fan. There's not a pizza on this planet that I haven't enjoyed. That's, That's right. fair. That's I'm not right a big answer. anchovy guy, but I will eat them. But I actually do like like ham, pineapple, and jalapeno. I think the key Ooh, to enjoying uh, pineapple is to have jalapeno on the pizza to, to counteract the sweetness with some spice. I do like a jalapeno pineapple flavor. Mm. but I'm a big fan and uh, Mike doesn't want to eat it. And that's they, such a Midwestern thing too. Cause there's a ton of people in the Midwest like pineapple on the pizza. Yeah. It, it was a cool, like, what are you trying to do to me? I wonder if that was an actual thing. Like it is nowadays back in the eighties because you know, Mike's like, I oh, it was the, worse in the eighties blasphemy. And then uh, Argyle's like, don't knock it till you try it, man. Or what, what's his saying on that? Uh, try before you deny. Try before you yeah. deny. He actually like puts him in a headlock and they force feed it to Mike. Because <laughs> L's like, it's actually pretty funny. It's actually schmacks. This is a really good episode for Mike in terms of like, you, this was the first time in a long time where I felt like, okay, this is the kid from the first season. Like I, like something about the performance and the way they read him, wrote him was like, okay, this is what Mike was in season one and not the miserable fuck he's been in season two and three. Yeah. And most of and the first half of this one. So then we cut to the moment I'm sure you want to talk a little bit about. There's a the Jay Bird and Will while they're preparing the the float tank and the free, the freezer Nina, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know because Will's kind of looking at Mike and them having a good time, and obviously he's, there's some longing in that look. And and Jonathan's like, God damn it, I can't stand it. I want to call it out, but I don't. Yeah. It's not my place because it isn't his place. Mm-hmm. And so he says, Hey, remember when there's a Lego stuck up your nose? And even I didn't know where he was going with this. It was a roundabout way of saying, I got you, bro. I've always been there for you. I will remember always when be you there were trying you. to get that Lego to come out <laughs> of your nose, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> And then so this was the scene you were talking about, though, right? Like giving Charlie Heaton another chance to to shine. Yeah, this is his best scene in the entire season. Uh, that relationship between these two brothers is so earnest and heartfelt, and just yeah. you love to see it. And and it's true. Like, and Jonathan's like, maybe it's my fault. You know, I've been getting stoned a lot. I've been dealing with my own shit. I, I haven't been there for you like I should. But I am here. Even for the you. creators of the show forgot your birthday. I'm sure you're sad. <laughs> yeah, everyone's sad. Yeah, you can come to me. And I, just the way that he's able to, I just whenever Jonathan looks at Will with that knowing my brother's in pain, and he like I need to do something. That look that Charlie Heaton delivers is just it kills me every time. Yeah, because you know, I, you know. I'm not super close with my brothers. So when I see like a brotherly relationship like that, I'm always like, Oh, I want that. Yeah. But so it, it, it's beautiful. And the, the two of these actors are at their best. Um, Did you think Will was going to explicitly come out in this scene? Or you in know, this I episode? thought that's where they were going to, they were building up to that. But the fact that they like walked right up to the line and then didn't step over it. I don't hate it. I was a little kind of like, oh, that's an interesting choice. But I think you kind of touched on a little bit that it's Will's decision to actually come out and tell people. Sure. So I'm glad that uh, Jonathan wasn't like, hey, man, do you love Mike? Yeah. Like, I I love it. It didn't go. Absolutely. That's not how I wanted. But I did expect there to be some. Uh, I don't know what the word is. Cause again, that's not my, that's not my struggle in particular. So I don't know what that's like, but I would have liked to have seen Will. And I hope that we do get that at least come 
to terms with himself or be at peace with it, right? But I do want Will. If hey, if, this is me, kind if of and, thing. If and when he finally does do that, I would. I want Jonathan to at least be there when he does it. I don't want him to do it to anyone else if Jonathan's not around. I just, I just feel like he needs to tell that to Jonathan first, mm-hmm. or at least have him be in the room when he tells everybody. You yeah. know what I mean? Sure. They got that special relationship, but this is like editing. I think you're on. <laughs> What's funny is the, thanks for chat the listeners think Andy's Eddie. Now they're going to get really confused. There's, there's Eddie, Eddie, and then just Chris. Uh, so yeah, the Will and Jaybird moment was great. And then uh, 11 prepares. Did you like, you loved 11's glasses. I love this moment. So she does this suit up. Uh, we've never really seen her dress like this, but then she gets these, uh, Mike made her these glasses, right? So he made her these like out of a pizza box, uh, these the dope shades, because she needs to get rid of all the extraneous senses, right? So she can Sensory focus. Sensory deprivation 5,000. Yes. They look like the awesome sunglasses that Macho Man Randy Savage would wear in the yeah. 80s. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Lemon's going to do a mind fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually say pizza on the right lens. I got uh, you for three minutes, Vector. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not just the fact that they're goofy and they say pizza. It's the <laughs> it's the composition of the shot. Like you've got Eleven's got the bald wig now, or at least Millie Bobby Brown does because she refused to shave her head again. But it looks really good. Uh, but now that she's a little older, it just looks like a, a a Furiosa. You know what I mean? Look, which I really I, that's one of my favorite movies of all time but the it's got like a wes anderson dead center framed in the water and you know that she's powerful she's got her powers back now she's about to go face uh, she's going to save one of my other favorite characters from peril hopefully uh i just i loved everything about the emotion culminating in that moment and the composition of the shot was just great but then those goofy glasses in the middle of all that dramatism I just thought it was awesome. There's something iconic about like it, that, right? That juxtaposition. Exactly. Yeah. It's the whole like season one thing where she's carrying the egos while she's doing psychic power shit to the grocery store and stuff, you know, like mouth breather, the, the pink dress with the blue coat. Yeah. yeah. All that's in, uh, that's so much in this. I didn't take a many notes on every time it happened. I think it was like six times at least, but this is my favorite part about this episode is the show now referring to itself it's a love letter to itself throughout and i adored it like there's so many callbacks to previous seasons there's a huge callback to season two in this episode there's ego callbacks yes they do a lot of self-cutting like flashbacks to things that have happened within the same episode or yes there's a whole lot they like basically replayed every scene max has ever been in in this Mm -hmm. episode which was pretty interesting they provide so much more importance to those scenes because in, in season two or, or was that no season three when max and 11 have their max's day out yes um you know that was a fun scene in the moment those are fun scenes to watch but now there's so much reverence to the that yes and, and i love that they've added like, that it's it. like they know what these characters mean to you and the journey that they've been on and i like that they're calling attention to it and I, this whole episode seemed like a love letter to the show itself instead of a love letter to the movies that we love from the 80s well, uh, while still sure. establishing like its own new iconography, like those sunglasses and shit. Like yes. Immediately. Like that's a costume you're going to see on Halloween, you know? Yeah. I'm going to make some glasses that's like gonna, that. That's going to be my costume. I've, I've dressed up as 11 for Halloween yeah. before. I'll do it again. He has, he has. And I want those shades. Oh, I took a picture of me when I was getting my colonoscopy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, uh, do I want to see this picture? Yeah, because I'm in the hospital gown and my head shaved. And I'm getting spit roasted. <laughs> so I, look, I looked like 11. I want to show you guys. You should have uh, had some egos on you. That dad didn't have any. I should have brought them. Duh. But uh, we cut back to to Max and, and Vecna's not fooled, but this time, and I know Andy was digging it, it's Max again, but but Levin's there because she's in the in-between. Uh, so they're doing that awesome thing again. I love the whole thing. This happens so often through this episode, but Eleven watching everyone else in the in-between. In There's some very effective scenes where like the other characters don't know Eleven's a yes. part of this and i really think oh, this happens at the end and i was like wow this is good yeah there's something at the very very end when they reunite and it's like it provides so much of a weird twist to the interaction when they interact at the end of the yeah. show because 11 knows all this trauma but no one necessarily knows 11's part in it yeah and i i it, it just adds so much to these scenes with knowing that 11's there and agreed it from her perspective so Vecna's not being fooled. So Max decides to dig deeper into maybe some dark memories that uh, some dark feelings and dark memories that Vecna hasn't pulled out of her yet to try to lure him in. So she digs deep within herself and talks not only about how she wanted Billy to die, but how she wanted to die as well. Uh, and I thought that this scene was so powerful uh, because, again, a lot of this season has been about trauma and how hurt people hurt people, but also about how uh, trauma affects your perspective on life. And and so uh, and Max is basically explicitly talking about her uh, suicidal ideation and using that, which is really brave, right? Because Lucas is right there and he can hear her. Uh, and then I thought this is if this is not in my chocolate pudding, just know that it was very hard for it not to be. But I think it will. But the transition where it goes from this to Vecna making her a Vecna, right? Like when Lucas starts to be like, what? Uh, like I pretty quickly knew that that was Vecna and I'm sure you did yeah, as well, immediately. but it was such a seamless transition. Like there was no sound cue. It, it was just so brilliantly done. And Max, who's fucking waiting for it. She's literally luring and baiting him in still doesn't see it coming. Like that's how insidious he is. Right. And yeah. I, I loved it. I thought that was brilliantly done. Yeah. Earlier, I think the first season or two, when we did the show, we had a segment where we called out like our favorite performances of each episode. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, we kind of stopped doing that segment. But if that existed, I would give all the kudos in the world to Caleb McLaughlin in this Caleb episode. Caleb fucking killed it. He yeah. He fucking did. demolishes this episode. It's not even close. Like he is so good here. Yes. Cause he's doing everything like he's being sinister when he's quote unquote the vecna lucas yeah he's being you know classic and those Luka were his lucas. contacts that everybody was talking about yeah he's being super sad lucas it just there's a scene coming up where it's like your heart breaks when he's acting it's like jesus caleb is just what did he do and since the last couple of seasons because he's never been like bad but i mean in the first season there were a couple like as a rough child actor acting right uh -huh. and to see him go from that to where he is now the growth as a person and as an actor Wow, that's so stunning. Yeah, during this scene, because of Caleb, I don't know if you guys noticed, I slid off the couch and onto the floor so I could lean forward comfortably to watch the TV. Like, I was just completely sucked in to this moment, and it was all because of Caleb. It was so well done. I had noticed. I just thought your back hurt or something. Yeah. <laughs> Why would I get off the couch? I don't know. <laughs> I got into a really uncomfortable position to get closer to the TV. Uh, and then phase three begins, right? Because now she's in uh, in the throes uh, of things with Vecna. So Eleven is in the memory with Max at this point. She's in, like far away California when Max was a child skateboarding uh, and wherever the fuck that is in LA. And then uh, we cut to, to Eddie. He's on top of the trailer with, with Dustin. And he says, Chrissy, this is for you. 
and he pulls out his BC Rich guitar and starts rocking to Master of Puppets. Dude, he played like two, the first two notes, and I was like, let's go. And I knew it was coming. Uh, I heard, I think Steve, are you the one that told me this, or was it somebody emailed in and said that, I think somebody emailed us, and I wish I, wish I hadn't known this, but they said that Master of Puppets got added on Spotify to the Stranger Things official playlist. And why they did that before this episode aired, I have no idea. Uh, but oh, I didn't know that. So I knew it was going to be Master of Puppets. That was the song he played. But that didn't detract much from it because it was such a good fucking moment. Oh, Andy lost his mind great, over on the love dude. seat. Yeah, I was going hard. And they like um, uh, Dustin starts like giving him a time limit. He's like, all right, we get, you got like 30 seconds. You got a minute. You got 30 seconds. And it's like he gets the solo and he's fucking shredding hard. He's like, this is insane. Yeah. <laughs> and he really doesn't need to. Right. Because they've already created the distraction. The bats are coming for them. They see them now. He doesn't need to continue that. But I'm so grateful he did. And then they start like intercutting this with like Max running from Beckna. Yes. And then like Dacre Montgomery shows up and like he's like trying to bust through the door. And Shannon's like, master, master. I'm like, this is a fucking incredible yeah, this is a uh, wet dream this is the never-ending story moment of this season and it was so fucking good yes yeah we had a good sauna test callback yeah. i love a good sauna test sauna callback. the sauna test it was a uh, incredible moment incredible moment i love that song uh so yeah so we get this whole montage like andy said max is running the jocks are getting erica all to master of puppets and that's when i wrote it's a love letter to itself like, that's what this is. This is all, don't you love Stranger Things? Isn't this awesome? And it's explicitly saying it. And I'm looking at it and I'm answering back. Fuck yes, I do. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Give me more. Mm. Can I pay money? I mean, Netflix is like, <laughs> you absolutely can. It's a whole weird dialogue. I had. Oh, dope. At, at Master of Puppets album came out in 86. How good is that? Ah! Oh, shit. <laughs> God, they're good. God, they're good. They are good. They are. And then that's when they run back into the trailer safely at the last second. And they say, most metal ever or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, and they're just really pleased with themselves, as they should as be. As they should. We cut back to Kamchatka prison, or Kombucha, as Steve calls it. Uh, the monsters are out. And uh, they, they interrogate a mostly dead uh guard yeah. and talk about a a what's it call it a live shadow mostly dead guard yeah i mean he's mostly dead <laughs> it's the it's the general that they're holding the the gun to oh was it well, i'm pretty sure that's who that he's was just mostly dead russian guy to me uh but yeah he's like uh yeah it was a shadow who knows what lurks what evil lurks in the hearts of men that's true which the is a line from lord of the rings because he's a fan the shadow knows no, from the radio play the shadow <laughs> oh is it really yeah I what, knew that. What evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. Like it was a radio show. Yeah. I know. Well, my dad would talk about that. Way to go, Steve. Why don't you go eat a fucking Heath bar for that ego? <laughs> for that ego you found. <laughs> fucking loser. <laughs> Entity. Uh, God damn. And then it, this confused me because he told them that it went into them. And I guess he meant, so the shadow, the mind flare particles, reinvigorated, reanimated the demodogs. Is that where to surmise? I think maybe that was how all the demodogs broke out of the tanks. Well, the, no, He said the, the tanks said the were guards... shot by the guards' bullets. Yeah, the, the, okay. the guards were shooting at the one Demogorgon, which hit the glass. Everything blew up. And then the, the mind flare, I think Chris is right, went into the dead body Demogogs and reanimated them. I just oh, okay. figured that out as I was saying that I was confused by it. it well, like, Murray's like, does that answer your question? And like points at the TV. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I still don't know what's going on. Right. And then we get the season two callback that I was alluding to earlier. Uh, it's Ho Joyce and Hopper. Hoist, as I call them, apparently. <laughs> That's their Hoist. couple name. <laughs> it's, either that or, it's either that or Jopper. <laughs> it's so weird. We just did a job for a company called Hoist at Work. <laughs> really? Yeah. 
and they're looking at the security monitors and the demo dogs walking down each hallway. And that's a blatant reference to the season two situation with Bob Newby, where they're looking at the monitors in the Hawkins lab with the demo dogs going down each corridor. Uh, and they actually call attention to it in the show in a moment because Joyce is like has a, a flashback of Bob Newby when Hopper says he's going to go be the bait and uh, and Hopper realizes that's what she's thinking of. And he's like, that's not going to happen this time. Right. I, I will die, but it is not this day, which I think is Aragorn's speech. Right. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. They, dude, there are hard Lord of the Rings references throughout this. <laughs> And they, the other things were hard because I love Lord of the Rings. The Dark Lord. <laughs> the Dark Lord. Lord of the, the Dark Lord come first. <laughs> so Robin and them have been like tiptoeing over these vines in the house. I think that's already happened at this point in the episode, right? Uh, around yeah, around hopscotch vines uh, come yeah. here in just a moment. Yeah, when they're when they're going through, the I just house have cut to falling and Robin clumsy. Yeah, like it, it's. They they show them like oh no the cut to the falling is this brilliant edit uh, because somebody falls and then it cuts to uh, Max as a little girl actually falling in the memory that Levin's in it's it's Robin is like tiptoeing through doing the hopscotch oh, and, almost and, and almost falls and then it cuts to somebody at that little uh, it's Max park falling and no I, I don't think it's Max I thought it was like an adult but was it actually her I, I th- thought I thought that's when I thought it was just her. somebody fell in front of Elle and then she's walking around like it looks normal and that's when eventually oh we yeah see. I think you're right but either way it's a brilliant match cut oh yeah it was it was I really, was like really noise Edited. Look at that! It was a weird thing <laughs> that I shouted. Uh, is this where little little Max, like four year old Max, is at the skate park, and that one guy's like, "Should you be playing with dolls?" And she's like, "Should, should you, you be playing with my dick?" Should you shut the fuck up? Like, <laughs> yeah, something about his face or something. Yeah. Uh, should you be fixing your face? Yeah, weird guy to be bullying a little kid skating. Skating, by the way. Yeah, uh, but well, those people exist. Like they were commenting spoilers of this episode on my TikTok videos hell? earlier. <laughs> Gotta help gatekeepers, assholes. Uh, so then. Uh, L starts DJing is what I said. Cause she walks up on the, what do you call that? It's not a catwalk, but it's, you know, this, I think it's a sidewalk that just goes over. It's a bridge. It's like the high rise thing in, in New York, but nowhere near as cool. And then there's like this turntable set up up there. Yeah. Uh, is that uh, Ella Fitzgerald is playing? I, I want dream to a little dream of me. Was it that song? Was it the same? No, one? I think that I thought this, it was different. It, no, at this point it's the every breath you take the police song. Well, that goes into the snowball, um, but be, right. So yeah. I, I think we skipped over the part where uh, Max she hides in her l- brightness or whatever. She's light. in the light. In the light. And she used the synonym of light. <laughs> and she's. <laughs> I'm gonna hide in the brightness. And so she's standing there in the empty snowball. She's in the candescence, listening to the police. And uh, Max walks up to, or uh, L in her dream walks up to the little turntable from the snowball and can hear that song playing. And uh, while then we cut yes, to Max, who right. is still in there, and then the balloons start to pop with bells. Like DJ one one on the ones and twos. DJ one one. I love that. And then Marty B pops up out of nowhere. Like, oh, you know how to throw a beat? <laughs> Eleven, let's pop and lock. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the, the episode, we're, cause we're tired, A, but B, it gets really convoluted with how many cuts that we're doing. Uh, we're doing dream. This is Christopher Nolan yeah. territory. It's beautifully done on screen. Like we said, the editing is phenomenal. We will do it's it just no justice. really hard to like regurgitate that into podcast form. Yeah, like Andy said, there's a blood balloons popping once he finds her in the snowball. But for right now, she's hiding in a good memory that she has which is the the snowball dance i love this snowball set 
Uh, yeah, and here. it's the it's way that beautiful. it's abandoned. Yeah, and this is what I mean about like the love letter to itself, right? Because longtime fans of the show, like us and all of our listeners, were watching all this, like, oh, the snowball, like it's it's great. It's like final season stuff. Is what was weird to me about it. It's Doris Day, by the way, that uh, started Doris Day. I was right on the tip of my tongue. Everybody knows I know all that kind of stuff. Yeah, oh, it's totally. right there. He loves Double D. <laughs> yeah, right then is when the balloons start popping, and that's when Jason shows up. Yeah, so Jason. Everybody start popping. (laughs) Jason walks in, pulls his gun on uh, Lucas because he thinks that Max is the newest victim of the satanic panic, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, we cut back to uh, real quickly to Hopper's plan. Murray's not having it, but that's when he says that he's going to be bait. Uh, And Murray's like, "Uh, yeah, uh, nah, uh," you know, (laughs) how are we going to get him in the pit? Uh, And and Hopper's like, don't worry about it. It's going to be cool. There's a sword right there. I got this. Was the sword from the the, the victims when they're like, go, go to the weapons locker? It has pick to out be, your right? It's from the Coliseum, for yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure. because From Italy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Dustin, speaking of swords and Coliseums, Dustin's getting real stabby with Eddie because the bats start to come in the vent of the trailer uh, in this tiny little aperture, and they just keep poking their spears up into it viciously. Mm-hmm. And Dustin, he's just losing his little mind on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's thinking of, oh, no, he's dead. they're coming for Susie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's even, that's what I mean. I'm going to keep saying this, but the love letter to itself, because there's a point where Dustin goes, shit, shit, shit. In the yeah. same way, right? That, that's his, that's his that's line. His you know? when, he, when he's under duress, he says, shit, 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 shit. Don't shit. we all? Uh, and we cut back to Steve and the gang being real careful, steel, but then, uh, st- still, but then they get got because there's like a, a, a tremor if you will, mm-hmm. to the house. And that's, and Robin, of course, she's the clumsy one. She doesn't survive the earthquake, little, t- little rumble. And she falls into the vines. They get her first. And then they get all three of them because the vines have been awoken and they all get very slowly choked out apparently, because if you think about it, they're stuck there for a good 16, 17 minutes. Yeah. So conservatively, thankfully, the, <laughs> thankfully, the, for, did you see it, Steve, when it zoomed in on Steve at the, at the very end of that scene, he's like, choke me, daddy. It's really weird. <laughs> I don't know why Steve did that. Uh, but think, also I understand. Do you think they were actually stuck like that for 16, 17 minutes? And in their time, it wasn't just a clever edit where no, like for 16 no. or 17 minutes, they're like, so this sucks. <laughs> yeah. They just start talking. So like, uh, what do we do now? <laughs> Cuts back to him. I spy with my little eye, a vine. <laughs> Cause that's all I can see. Get it. It starts with the letter. We all v. see the vine. <laughs> Is it Vine again, Robin? I swear to God. <laughs> Cut back to uh, Hopper being the bait. He's running from the demo dog. I think that's what's going on right now. Uh, my yeah. notes are Hopper bait, Dustin and Eddie, Vince. Uh, oh, okay. This is huge. So Dustin and Eddie, they're fighting them off. There's a second vent. The bats invade the trailer. He sends Dustin up the sheet. And then that's where Eddie hits the... And Dustin's all, sheet, sheet, sheet. Yeah, sheet, sheet, sheet. <laughs> the god dog sheet. <laughs> and then Eddie doesn't want to run. This is his arc completion, right? Like, he realizes this is the moment, I think. Uh, I don't know that it's actually necessary, though. Like He needs to buy more time. But does Eddie buy more time? I think he does. For whom? I'm not saying he doesn't. I just well, from his perspective, he's buying time for Robin, Nancy. And but Steve. I need to know that it was actually warranted. Right. I need to know that had he not done that, someone else would have died or I am upset. And I don't know that right now. Well, I it, I think it definitely saved Dustin. Well, Dustin was already back in the fucking. Well, here's yeah, the but thing. I mean, they, that regular gate, world that gate was wide open. They would have died because. Again, hive mind, right? Uh-huh. The vines already know they're in the house. So if he would have let them go back, 
Then the bats and vines would have got him. The bats would have just gone up and ate him. Mm, I guess so. Let's just call it that because I need Eddie to have gone for a reason. But yeah, Eddie decides he doesn't want to run. He runs he outside, said in grabs the last a bicycle. Episode, Hear me now. There will be no more retreating. That's right. He's like being all like medieval about it. Yeah, super badass. And, and he was like, true to his word. True to his word. Yeah. So he runs out, grabs a bicycle, and takes off. The bats follow him. And Dustin's like, "Damn it." Eddie knew. And then we get back to Max gets found. Um, like the, she's stacking chairs in front of the door at the snowball uh, after the balloons had popped. And she looks back and all the chairs are just gone because this is a Freddy Krueger-esque realm. And then the door becomes the uh, crew house door. The stained really glass door. Good. Yeah, it was great. It was really, she's like, oh shit. Yeah. I hate stained glass. I recognize that door. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we get the distorted Doris Day. The triple D. That door. I thought that was awesome, man. When the double D becomes the triple D and it became this like uh, really scary Doris Day. Mm -hmm. When you think of Doris Day, you don't typically think of scary. If you want to make a song scary, you you just put it on a record player and you just play it like half speed. And then it just becomes, I'm so more scary. (laughs) Exactly. Got me. It got me. Uh, And then uh, Lucas stands up to Jason. And this is where I started getting chills. I started getting invigorated because this they're intercutting this giant almost montage of all these people being brave. And I know it sounds corny, but again, in the world, the climate that we're living in right now, I, I, I was leaning forward like, yes, because every single person was doing their job. They were they were standing up to insurmountable odds, uh, keeping hope against all hope. Right. And I just it meant the world to me. I thought it was beautiful. Uh, so Lucas starts standing up to Jason. He's got a gun on him. He's like, you know what? I'll fucking like you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be you. And I'm glad I'm not. Yeah. I know you got a gun, but you're a real piece of shit. <laughs> and I just, I loved it. You know, that wasn't even necessary. He could have been clever and been like, look over there. <laughs> but he's like, ah, I just want you to know, I don't like you. <laughs> and the guy, Jason's like, I got a gun. I don't know if this is really the time to have this conversation. He's like, I think it is. You suck. <laughs> yeah. You fucking yeah. suck. You suck. Your bro. shoes are stupid. Anybody ever tell you that? He's like, my shoes? It was really good. Really well done. You I love what? that. Chrissy. Hey, she told me she hated you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was doing drugs because you suck. Yeah. She had to be high to be around you. Your stories are terrible. Uh, and, and what's this thing about you always grabbing a microphone out of people's hands and just doing speeches? It's fucking weird. Yeah. That's your only skill. Reminiscent of somebody in history. Not so well liked. Just want to throw that out there. Hitler is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Carrot top. Carrot top. Yeah. Your affinity for props. And you're named after another loser horror dude. With a ski mask, yeah. hockey mask. Yeah. Suck it, Jason. It's Jason. I'm talking yeah. about Jason, Steve. Oh, I thought you were talking about uh, <laughs> another face. Entity. Uh, <laughs> and then Jason breaks the Walkman. And I don't know about you guys, but my heart broke with that Walkman. It did. That's such a simple thing. As soon as it breaks, immediately. I was like, Kate st- Bush, no! Yeah, the stakes just explode. You're Kate like, Bush oh. somewhere in, in on our plane just screamed in pain. There goes 85 has, grand a has, day. Has someone checked on Kate Bush? That was that was like her last horcrux. And she just <laughs> went she and just died. Disappeared. <laughs> no! Dude, someone tell Lucas he has to call Kate Bush and make sure she's okay. Oh, so the sound design note that I put was on the Doris, the triple D. So that's not the note that you had on the sound design. I'm thinking maybe what, what was yours? Describe it a little bit more because I'm actually looking at my note and I'm thinking what it was the I Doris day when they when it got sinister. Dream a little dream of okay. I, so my note says sound design turn. 
turn. And I'm trying to remember. I, I have a poor memory because now I'm down like, for what is maybe what you were going to say. Yes. And you got yes. distracted because I love to turn down for what? Yeah. Well, every time somebody tells me to turn down, I've ever since I've just been like, for what? I mean, I, I would call that the turn of the scene, like the, the exactly what we we're talking about. The door stay getting all creepy. I don't think that's it. It was because it was it wasn't music. It was an actual like sound effect. Uh, but but maybe maybe my memory will be jogged. Let's let's just move on. Yeah, hopefully that. it comes to you. But Vecna calls Max brave. They confront. Uh, he confronts Max. You're pretty badass. Yeah, and I actually I really <laughs> like this. Like uh, that's why he's such a more compelling villain than anything that's been in this show before this, right? Because he's you know it's actually you're yeah. <laughs> you should be a zoomer. You're pretty fucking cool. Actually, I am a zoomer. That's, I feel kind of bad about this. You know, I used to play D D. You want to hang out in the mind palace with me? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you like dig dug too. <laughs> I just stole this guy's hot tub. It's got TV screens in it. <laughs> it's called Nina because he can't read. One's fucking stupid. And then <laughs> and then Eleven shows up. She's in the dream within a dream. Which, by the way, this is the first time I figured out what's really going on. I'm sure you guys knew this the whole time, but the reason that. 11 so uh uh uh, one has that little area of his attic his house where everything's broken apart and floating there's clocks and stuff where the actual bodies of the victims the victims he's claimed are there that is the dream within a dream the upside down is him in the house that's put together where Mm -hmm. robin and steve and nancy are and then there's the real world right so Mm -hmm. i never really put that together before okay interesting like it's not real the area where all the pieces of the house are floating Mm -hmm. around that's Vecna's mind. Mm-hmm. That's, his mind, that's his mind palace. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which we knew that explicitly, but like there's like a Christopher Nolan layered level. Like mm-hmm. I think this episode, spoiler for my egos, it's actual intentional reference to Inception, the movie Inception. I'm pretty sure. Um, because there's an uh, Argyle was like dream within a dream, man. Whoa. Inside of Taco Bell, inside of a KFC. <laughs> and that's, when, <laughs> that's when it hit me. So I, I remember what my sound design thing was. What was it? So when Eleven shows up, she grabs one. She's kind of floating in the air. And then when she spins him around so he, that he faces her, it's the sound. The sound of him turning is nails on a chalkboard. So when he's turning, he's like, and it's just it's it adds so much to like it implies that he's fighting her right but she's still turning him so you get that like mechanical noise of you know forces pulling against one another there's a a mind fight going on right then yeah and it it was just a perfect little sound effect to throw in that yeah to give it a little added tons of little flourishes like that but i was so hyped to see 11 show up there and 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 Max is so confused, <laughs> and I love that part of it too. That's an Are extra. You real? Element. Yeah. Well, that happens in a moment, but so she Vecna's Vecna, and she's got him floating up in his little posture, right, turning him around, like you said. Uh, and he, I love the, the the costume design too because it's practical, but I there's the CGI of like the vines kind of slowly writhing along him the entire show, mm-hmm. uh, and I had never noticed that before. Like I thought it was occasionally that would happen like maybe to reveal a tattoo mm-hmm. uh, but they're actually constantly in motion and I, yeah. I didn't notice that before i thought that was really cool really cool um did, did we skip over erica's great moment uh erica has not fought back against her person yet i have that before what we're talking about right now i don't that's why i bring that up no it's okay. oh it does it's simultaneous with lucas fighting back i think yeah, like so, she, so dude has her on the ground. He's like, "I'll break your arm," and she ends up just kicking him in the dick and goes, yeah. "Crit hit!" <laughs> yeah, and uh, dude, I just wanted to use this opportunity to say, like, I love Erica more and more. Um, I think, she's yeah, her great. character is blossoming into something awesome. I love 
that they're adding her more and more into the story, but she's still in this in this strange kind of arm arm's length away from all the other characters, even though she's part of the group. There, there's, you know what I mean? There's like a weird sure. arm's well, length to her. It's just hard to juggle eleven characters if you for sure using my pun for sure rather than five. But I'm hoping that maybe even next season, like they they've seemingly bridged the gap between her and Lucas. At least they've made that bond a little better. So I'm 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 looking forward to maybe next season that she blossoms even more. Well, hell, she'll be their age. Yeah. If we get the time jump that we're promised mm-hmm. and then they'll be like Steve's age. Um, so that that'll be an interesting dynamic change for sure. And then Eleven goes hi as she hurdles him across the gymnasium into the bleachers. So dope. Uh, really, that's a simple baller move, right? Hello. You know, that, that's that's ultimate confidence when you don't even need a good one liner. What were the rejected one liners like top yeah. of the moon and do <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, we cut back to Eddie pedaling and Dustin. For some reason, this is where it gets a little frustrating. <laughs> Dustin goes back into because uh, Eddie sliced the the sheet bridge that they had to the upside down there. But Dustin jumps off a chair and, and hurts himself and breaks his ankle as he lands. He's no Steve. Let's just get that out of the way. Dude, it's the inevitable hurting your leg in a horror movie thing. It, it, it had to happen at some point to somebody. And this is where we got it. Well, they had to. I, I see the practicality of it because they can't have. Uh, otherwise, they both would have died if he would got to Eddie on t- in time. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how he hobbled that far because Eddie was on the bike for a while. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Eddie was actually just doing circles. Yeah. I mean, that's all he needed to do is kind of keep him at bay. They're behind me. And that's where you, uh, Steve talked about earlier, but where they get a moment to breathe and Max is like, are you real? Mm-hmm. And there's a, some neat, much needed comic relief when Eleven replies, I'm real. Uh, I'm in the pizza dough freezer I piggybacked from a pizza dough. Yeah, I piggybacked uh, from a pizza dough freezer, some shit like that. And she's like, what? what? Uh, Are you doing a Mad Libs right now? <laughs> Do you listen to streaming things? And then Vecna crawls out of the, the bleachers where he's been thrown. And he does like the classic 80s villain neck crack. Did you oh, catch yeah. that? Oh, yeah. That's not even a classic. That's just classic villain. Like, villains still do that today. Yeah, everybody's got a neck pop you after you get like, a little uh, bit of hurt. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me pop that out. And then, uh, I don't know how I felt about this line, but uh, Eleven says, if you hurt, if you touch Max again, he's definitely going to, unnecessary, I'll kill you again. And I like the I'll kill you again part, but it just seemed unnecessary. It's like, he's definitely not going to stop. You should already be attacking him. She also had one other line where he was like, you're going to die. And she's like, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it was something like, uh, no, you are. Or something. Yeah, it was. Nuh-uh, <laughs> not you. <laughs> That's fair. You know, her vocabulary is never the strongest. Uh, and then they mind fight. And, and Brenner, he's actually on the bleachers with popcorn. It's I was bizarre. having a day. Did you really enjoy watching the mind fight, Dr. Brenner? I got my number one foam finger. (laughs) But I got two of them because, let's be honest, I'm cheering for 11. (laughs) She's Papa's girl. Get her, honey. Or get him. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, he's talking. Wait, who are you rooting for? I'm conflicted. (laughs) Either way, it's badass. She didn't forgive me, but also he's kind of being a dick. That's true. Mm. That's true. And he's, you know, he's not looking too hot. I want to experiment on Max, maybe. What's her deal? I think, I don't think she has any powers. Yet. (laughs) So then Dustin goes limping for Eddie. Uh, Vecna gets 11 uh, and wants her to watch. So he he does the classic villain trope. Hey, you're the only one on the universe that can stop me. But instead of just dispatching you and just ensuring my victory, it's much more interesting for me to incapacitate you slightly. 
and allow you to watch what proceeds. Because I gotta rub it in. I can't just win. I gotta. I gotta need an audience, which I get. Right. Mm-hmm. So what, who's, what's winning if no one's there to see you win? Yeah. So I see where he's coming from. So he just vines her up in his mind palace and wants her to to watch him kill uh, Max. And then Max, too. She's vined up as well, even though she's unconscious at this point. And I thought Eleven was going to appeal to him emotionally, much like Antonov did Yuri. And I thought we were going to have some kind of uh, like the third act of everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. She says, Papa is dead. And then he stops and turns to her and she says, Papa's the monster, not you. And then but Vecna resists that. He's like, yeah, that's all great. But and. And then he does his Vecna thing, tries to bring guilt upon her. He says, just so you know, you turned me into this. You didn't kill me. You gave me all this. And then we get, and I'm so proud of this, guys, Vex position. Because (laughs) Vecna proceeds to explain everything that everybody's been thinking. Where the fuck has he been the last three seasons, right? And I'm sorry to say, I was wrong. Mm. Vecna is the ultimate villain. In a way, he did create Mm. the Upside Down. He did create the Mind Flayer. I think we're all right. Well, he is the the Mind Flayer. So here's the thing. I think... Mind Flayer dust existed, yeah. but he like manufactured it into the spider. I think he literally gave the evil that is the Mind Flayer shape. Well, it was like so this. So the literally. Mind, the Mind Flayer is an evil force. Well, it's just, but it's it doesn't an, have a, a inert, an innocuous hive mind just floating around and it's in between world yeah. and just hanging out. But it's He's not good. Like, you mind now? I mean, it's not bad either. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I saw that Demogorgon in the in the yellow upside down. Yeah, he was already there. It wasn't hurting nobody. No, it was just climbing around. Walking around Demogorgon world. <laughs> yeah. And Demogorgon. Didn't even look at him. He's walking to Demogorgon school. What if the Demogorgon was like, hi, <laughs> I'm Frank. <laughs> 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 and that's what, yeah, so that's yeah, the spider the shape. he evil shape. He does indeed, literally. Like a jello, like an evil jello mold. Mm-hmm. It was he, just jiggling before he got there. Literally did like the exact same drawing as uh, Will. Will did back in the day. Mm-hmm. Young that's, William. So is that, ooh. Like the exact same drawing. Do you think crazy. that's foreshadowing to do, Will's future? Yeah, absolutely. If they can't vilify well, I Will, right? I don't know if that's that's so much foreshadowing. Or Will's but, going to be uh, Will was, the foil. He's going to overcome his otheredness. Yeah, they're definitely making the connection between the two. But Will was drawing that drawing because he literally saw it. Mm-hmm. And one just made Yeah, that. but I don't think that's by accident, right? I think they are drawing more and more because they're both uh, sweet yeah, boys. Yeah, they're connected, yeah. Um, and I think that Will's going to be the one that's not turned by the everyone othering him, right? He's mm-hmm. going to be the one that doesn't resist uh, finding a place in society. See, Will has what Vecna didn't, and that was some heart damn right form of mike wheeler and a chance well not not to be too uh social workery but that's what i do for a living right but i think that will has another thing that vecna doesn't or henry didn't and that's support you know he has jonathan he has friends he has people who do accept him as he is henry didn't have any of that uh even his mother was like you're a fucking goober uh (laughs) that's why he killed her first by the way and then was she or was she just like hey my boy needs help let me find a doctor i thought i remember them saying that even his mother looked at him weird and was like, you know, well, yeah, because she knows that standoffish he's, to him. I got the impression that Henry was always bad. And and because he saw that his parents did bad things, he decided to hate humanity mm-hmm. and and not. Nece- and they don't necessarily say that his mother was doing anything bad to him, but that he was looking into their past, like his dad's past of the war crimes. Well, my worldview is that no one is born the way that they are. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I agree. They are made. And so I'm just inserting that possibly into the show mm-hmm. but like i literally 
will choose to believe nothing else. I that, think he definitely says that his mom caught on to him being a problem first. Yeah. That's why he killed her and first. She's all like top of the morning to you. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird because none of them are from Ireland. <laughs> and then we get the dark night of the soul is the next 10 minutes of this episode. Like everybody starts to lose their respective battles. Uh, Hopper is uh, being assailed by the demo dog. And he's like literally holding the flappy jaws from uh, inches from his face. Eddie's getting bitten now by the bats. Uh, Dustin's limping toward him, just witnessing it, unable to stop. Uh, Eleven is is kidnapped, and she's now writhing in the salt bath. Everybody's taking her out and putting her on the table because she's in uh, physical peril. Um, Lucas is getting the shit beat out of him by Jason, uh, so on and so forth, right? And then um, uh, Vecna approaches Max. They, you know, this is when they pull her out of the table, and, and Mike gets really honest. Uh, and there was this kind Will, of- Will tells him he's the heart. Yeah, yeah, don't remember. Remember that painting? It wasn't the greatest painting, but do you remember that? And Mike's like, yeah, it needs a lot of work. And Will's like, that's not the point right now. And he's like, okay, you're right. I love you, Eleven. So he finally says what he couldn't say in the letter. And I actually really like this moment from Mike uh, where he, Finn Wolfhard gives it his all. Uh, he woofs the hardest he's probably potentially ever woofed. And he tells her, like, look, hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm not scared of you. I've never been scared of you. I'm scared that I'm inferior. I'm scared that I'm going to lose you, that I'm not good enough for you. He gets honest with her. That's all we need to do, folks. We need to get honest with one another. That's all we want. I didn't super like this scene. I like the mic part of it. I didn't really like the you're the heart. Yeah, it was just mm-hmm. Will standing, like, leaning over his shoulder, like, yeah, you tell her. Tell her how you feel. Yeah. Like, hey, man, I wish I had a will in my life. Yeah. Like, if I was with a girl that I was into, you just like, tell her, tell her, man, get her. I'll be that guy for you, Steve. Yeah, because we but... do get a lot of shitty advice from our friends at yeah. that age, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, like, pretend you're into someone else. <laughs> She'll know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> She'll know what she's going to lose. You know what ladies like? If you ignore them. And, yeah, what? dumb shit. What? And it's like, you need a will to <laughs> just be like. ugly. Just be, oh, God, just be honest. Just be honest. That old chestnut. <laughs> Jesus. And this is where. I was like, oh, no, like Vecna gets Max, right? He does the thing over her forehead and her limbs start breaking. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. And it's Max Mayfield. This ain't like fucking what's his name? Fred or whatever. (laughs) Say Freddy. When it's Fred, it's like, eh, that's funny. The one leg snaps. (laughs) I'm like, oh, fuck. And then another one snaps. I'm like, oh, fuck. And then the arm. And I'm like. They make a meal of it, too, because everyone else yeah. is kind of they like get all broken pretty quick. But it's like there's one leg. Oh, wait a couple seconds. And there's the other. Yeah, I was not a fan. Ugh. I mean, I was a fan because that was a brave thing to do. But I, I was and then later we'll get there in a second. But I was that was terrible to watch. Uh, and then Joyce decide, and this is where I started crying. One of the moments where I don't think it was appropriate to cry. Uh, but when Joyce looks over at the um, like, like whatever you call them, tasers, um, and she decides, I'm not going to fucking stand here. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get involved. This is not a fight that anyone is able to just sit and watch in. No, I'm not doing it. I did that last time. Bob died. Right. Um, and I, I just started tearing up because it was like, damn, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's when I jotted the note at the top. No one's on the sidelines. This was an unsur- this, or I'm sorry. This was a surprising hero moment for Joyce, like a, a redemptive hero moment. Because even though like I never thought like, oh, man, Joyce should have done something to help sure, Bob. Maybe. Sure. They really <gasps> kind of mirrored the situation. Hop was in. To yes. Bob. And, you know, someone was watching the Except videotapes. no offense to Bob, uh, Hopper, but Bob had to fight a lot more Demodogs. True. He did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but Joyce gets to seemingly rectify this situation, this guilt that she has had about Bob's death. Yeah, that's what I yeah. love about this episode in general is it, it puts everybody in an active role in their own 
peril in their own conflict, right? Like you have the power to, I don't I just think it's a good message, right? Because a lot of kids watch this show and we'll get there in a little bit, but that's why I think Max's storyline is so important because her, her admission about suicidal ideation and all those struggles that she's going through, like, like teen suicide is through the roof. It's like, it's, it's crazy uh, nowadays. Um, so anyway, I think it's important, but then Murray uses his flamethrower, uh, on the, the demodogs and all the, the actual grown adult demogorgon and Max and, and are not Max, uh, Joyce and Hopper or Hoist, as we're now calling them, <laughs> they hide in the cell, uh, and the hive starts to drop. Uh, and then we get to phase four flambe. Phase well, four, so Steve, Steve, Robin, and Nancy also get dropped by their vines. Yeah, the hive drops. So every little we, we cut to, like the bats dropping, the vines drop, that all those characters go. Uh, and then <laughs> Hopper sees a sword laying there on the ground. <laughs> right? Fuck and, yeah! That's and that's I, that's uh, and it's like pretty this, awesome. I don't know if it's an ego, maybe, but it's like it looks dead on, like the giant like Conan sword. Like mm-hmm. it's not just any sword. This is a fucking monster two hander, a five hander. <laughs> I never knew how much I needed to see Hopper with a god damn sword i didn't either like that's something that never would have my brain would have never made those connections right right but as soon as i saw it on screen i'm like yes this happened yes pick it up pick it up uh do it cut me daddy cut me cut me daddy (laughs) and it's really cool like andy was saying this is a definite like this is the D &D theme you know um and i was really waiting to have there be some brilliant foreshadowing like season one with the D D game that we got at the beginning of the season like what are eric and dustin erica and dustin gonna do or what are the last two characters gonna do once everybody else fails to fight vecna right like i thought there was gonna be a one-to-one correlation with the actual game itself because they sometimes do that i don't think we got that uh, uh, but then Vecna says, this is only the beginning. You think you've won. Uh, there's going to be a season five. Don't you guys know this? It's already greenlit. <laughs> Wait, there was a little bit because they, uh, when they're playing that D and D game that Erica, uh, fills in on the second time, that's when Vecna shows up and they're like, we thought we already beat him. And it's like, no, you didn't actually beat him. He's oh, back. So that's, that's the callback is mm-hmm. they think they beat him in this season, but really he's going to come back. Yeah. Well, that actually happens this time too, is what Andy's saying. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I'm agreeing with him. No, I mean, like, the coming back already happened. It's not a next season thing. It's kind of like a double. Because after they flambe him is when everything else gets worse, pretty much. Like, the like Max actually proceeds to die. Oh, and, sure. Uh, but, yeah, double whammy. I think you guys are both right. Uh, then, so, But he's like, yeah, this is only the beginning. Uh, and then we get the Kate Bush techno remix that I fucking love so much. That kicks up. They Molotov cocktail uh, Vecna a lot more slowly than I would have liked because it's really urgent. It's slow-mo for a long time. Yeah, we'll just say that it's not the actual time passing in yeah. their world. It's just in, in TV time it's slow because they're like, okay, yank from backpack. <laughs> Light one. I don't know why, but one Molotov cocktail. <laughs> Light a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, Steve's just smoking. He's got that purple sticky in the background. Check your phone for messages. <laughs> <laughs> Taking pictures of him burning. Like selfies burning Vecna. Hashtag what? <laughs> <laughs> that would be so dope. I do love the slow-mo because just specifically the slow-mo shot of Nancy just icing a motherfucker with a shotgun. Yeah, Nancy's shotgun skills was awesome to watch. But also Hopper like sliding on his knees with the broadsword and Hell yeah. cutting off the arm of the Demogorgon. Uh, and then later 
fully beheading it. Like he's like sword fighting this Demogorgon. And Joyce is just watching like, oh, I picked the right man. <laughs> That's my boy. We're not even going to get to that date at Enzo's. <laughs> I'm getting a breadstick tonight. How cool would that have been if Hopper picked up the Demogorgon's head by like one of the flaps and then just kind of holds it up like uh, Clash the Titan style. Like, ah, pounds <laughs> his chest. <laughs> gets too gets too testosterone from it. Uh, the Vecna falls out of the window. Ooh, another Lord of the Rings saying it's like the Urukai cuts off his arm and then his head. That's what Aragorn does to the Urukai at the end of Fellowship of the Ring. Boom, boom. We've seen that movie a bunch of times. Yeah, you can trust us. And then Hopper kicks the helmet and actually breaks his toe. <laughs> Little known fact. <laughs> That's a deep Lord of the Rings cut right there. Vecna falls out the window and it's so 80s horror. This is a definite like semi ego, uh, like the Michael Myers thing, you know, like they they shoot him a bunch of times. He falls through the window. And then when they look down, the body's not there. Right. Because there's got to be a sequel. Um, so that happens. Vecna's gone. But before that, between those two scenes, we get Tachinka. The the actual I think that's the, the word. <laughs> I'm just saying random shit. <laughs> and then the, the helicopter with with Yuri and Antonov shows up. They all kind of smile at one another like, ah, comrades. Mm-hmm. And to, to pick wait. Hopper and them up. I can't wait for the Yuri Antonov spinoff where they're just being buddy cops. It's like <laughs> chips, but those two. Yeah. They, like they're in the, it's get cheaps. It, get in the helicopter. We have a 411 on the highway. <laughs> We're getting information. Double the morning to you. <laughs> Steve's got her. Please give Steve a job writing this show. Uh, and then we cut to the death of Eddie. Uh, Dustin kind of runs up to his body just laying there with all the dead bats around and, and Eddie's uh, profusely bleeding and Dustin's horrified. And then Eddie sees his reaction. He's like, ah, pretty bad, huh? And Dustin's like, nah, you're all right. We're just going to get you to a hospital. There are no hospitals in the upside down. And that's not called attention to because it's just a, a sincere moment. Uh, and then, yeah, Eddie, I don't know how to feel like I'm really upset. A number one, more than anything that I was wrong. Right. Let's just be honest. <laughs> no, I'm just upset that the character has gone and I hate that they did this again. I know it seemed like such a low hanging fruit. Yeah. Like I didn't, I expected more of them. I to- really, really am disappointed. Like the scene is played so beautifully and so heartbreakingly. Uh, the, the guy that plays Eddie, I can't think of the actor's Joseph name. Joseph Quinn. Right Joseph Quinn. Oh my God, he crushes it in this scene. Like he's very, very good. He's got a long career ahead of him. To me, it's the most affecting death scene, like acting wise, that has happened in Stranger Things uh, and and in a lot of shows. And it's beautifully acted and like gut wrenching, like the pacing of it and like uh, like how how quickly he reacts to being moved and stuff and like the the vocal modulations that he does to emulate pain. But while and like I'm starting to tear up watching it but there's a massive part of my brain that's like you motherfuckers are doing it again and i'm so mad at you for doing this yeah any character that they introduce in season five i'm just gonna be like yeah nope not doing it i don't like you i'm not i'm not gonna like you (laughs) so yeah that was wildly wildly disappointing but uh like i said they made at the start of this episode they made choices i'm really upset with but they played the choices that they made really really well and that that was sure i agree what about you steve um you know i'm a little disappointed in i'm not super upset by it because i uh earlier on in the in the in the season i said like i would not be surprised if they did kill eddie because how else are they gonna you know they spend all season getting this town to hate this guy and then all of a sudden they just save him like oh no he's cool 
Sure. Don't about him. So like you kind of have to rectify that and that would be hard. But part of me was like, the Duffers can do it. I'm excited to see how they pull that off if they if they did do that went that route. But ultimately they did not. I feel like there's a there was an opportunity to maybe have uh, Jason kind of come to the realization like, oh no, this is a real shit. I guess it wasn't Eddie this whole yeah, time. Yeah, what happened to Jason? He gets the shit beat out of him. We don't see him the rest he of the show. He gets melted in half when the, uh, when the gate opens. Oh, like, he dies? Literally, the gate goes through his body and he like goes, Bleh! and like it melts him in half and melts. Burns, burns him alive. It's it's insane. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. I didn't see that. Yeah, he's one I of I was the, taking a note, I guess. He's one of the 20 <laughs> something people who die. It happens super duper okay. fast, but I was just like, fuck. Dang. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good thing to, to not miss, but I missed it. <laughs> uh, so Eddie dies, uh, of course, and then Max dies, technically. Yeah. Also he, insane. This scene, and this is where I'm going to get a little personal. Uh, I was bawling. Yeah. I feel very strongly toward Max Mayfield as a character, first off. And I've been a huge fan of Sadie Sink ever since I saw Fear Street 1978. I love that movie. And I was like, holy shit, she can act, right? This, this is her bag. And then, uh, but this character in particular, especially the season after the episode of Dear Billy, uh, but she's, she's blind. And like, she can't see. And I thought for a second, oh my God, are they going to just make her character blind from now on? Like, and, like maimed and, with all these broken bones yes, and shit. And, and Caleb McLaughlin, like was, we talked about earlier, he's doing such a good job. So his horror at, at what's going on, he's just panicked. And then we got the, we cut to like 11 being a part of this and no one else knows that she's there. And that was like beautifully done because she's Millie Bobby Brown, Brown is powerful. So she's weeping and she's watching all this like, oh shit, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't save her. Um, and then Max, she says, uh, oh, my God, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's because that the reason that I'm trying to talk because it's not the kind of show we typically do this. But so my dad was really suicidal all the time before he died. And I used to like catch him attempting that sometimes. And he was always very negative, very cynical. And at, to the point where eventually I was just like, you know, whatever, I got I've got my own son, you know. Uh, but then when he had his first heart attack and I found him there and I had to take him to the hospital, he was like a super strong, scary guy, but he was crying a bunch. And I remember him telling me, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Right. And it was like a crazy twist because I thought you did want to die. You thought you did. Right. But now that, now that you're here, now that it's time, you realize that you don't, you know what I mean? And like, I saw Max processing that and going through that. And I cared about her character so much. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't want to make the show awkward, <laughs> okay. no, but I'm just like, oh, fuck. It's you know? fucked up to see your parents. Uh, my mo- Those are some of my mom's last words, too. And it's, you know, it's fucked up and it haunts you forever. But the layers that you're talking about, too, uh, applies directly to Max. And that's insane. Yeah. And I, I was uh, shocked that they went there, but also so grateful because, again, I know that a lot of young people watch the show. And I know that that's a huge uh, blight through the youth of our country, at least probably around the world. But, you know, definitely in America and um, yeah, watching, uh, you know, uh, Sadie Sink, that performance was incredible and it was heartbreaking. I thought they were really, really going to go there, you know, and I'm glad they didn't honestly like fully go there at least yet. Um, and I don't know what kind of trials her character is going to go through. We'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, this scene was like, fuck, mm-hmm. uh, I was destroyed. Um, and then there's four chimes, right? Because uh, Max's heart stops and that's the fourth gate. That's the fourth victim. Did not see this coming because I thought they were already winding down. I thought they had won the battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then technically she dies. So technically there's a gate opening. Apparently Jason got killed by it. And we cut all around the town. We see Karen and Holly. I like how Karen and Holly are like our town of Hawkins 
uh, connection. Yeah, it's like that's the whole town. We can yeah. see how they're being affected. It's, a, it's effective though, because when they did that, yeah, baby Holly. That, that yeah, all of us like, no, 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 do not harm <laughs> the baby Holly. <laughs> I was like, oh no, no, she just got sober. <laughs> she, just yeah. got, she just got sober. Don't harm baby Holly. <laughs> yeah. She's bettering her life. <laughs> There's only like a couple hundred listeners of season one that get that joke, but fine. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, we're now in the season four of streaming things so we can start yeah. sending love letters to ourselves <laughs> and yes let's start sending love letters to ourselves <laughs> that's the only way we're gonna Dear get any us. <laughs> uh, that's why we get all those emails that say me <laughs> from you. big fan of the show yeah. <laughs> so then and l is looking at uh max dad and she says nah not today. Not so, today. No, you're not g- going. What do I we yes. say to the God of death? Not today. Another decision that I don't know how I feel about because it just, it seems to come out of nowhere that she has this ability to resurrect somebody. Uh, and I, that seems like there could have been a couple of other people that she did that to. And like the power just. Like who? Uh, I don't know. Bob. She wasn't there. Yeah, she was. She was outside. I mean, she was down the street. First off, no, she wasn't down the street. She, <laughs> she, she was like a couple street. hallways down. She was, yeah, the one there. I she mean, was right next to Max, my guy, yeah. my dude. Uh, Here's my. No, she was. She was in, in California. She was in, she was in Chicago when Bob died. <laughs> yeah, but she wasn't in there at all. That's, yeah. what, that's what well, I thought. Well, she was in California when Max died. Uh, that's well. I'm saying she doesn't know who the fuck Bob is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, point being, there was no actual like right in front of her death that I can think of like that. But also, Benny, she, mm. bro, she was like ten. She, <laughs> my dude saying, pulled out she, Benny. She, I'm just saying who got shot in the fucking head, and who also makes terrible. <laughs> dude, she got fucking Max got snapped in half. Max Point being, it's an ability that came out of nowhere. It's and not a new ability, is what I'm saying. Max Eleven is uh, like 15, 16 years old now. She's she's also re gone through training with Papa. She's, she's as powerful as she's, she's ever stronger been. than she's ever been. Is is number one, but also. I don't no, think that's number one. True. I don't think she resurrected her from death. Yeah. I, what's unfortunate, Billy, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe but yeah. he had also had other wounds. Like, I think the difference is that Max, what had trauma that caused her heart to stop. Right. Whereas the other people just had like incurable, terrible wounds. And also we're overlooking the fact that Max means a lot to 11. And so she's, it would, it would make try sense harder. that she would try harder and even try to do that. But, to but also, her. I think the only flaw with this scene is that it cuts to two days later. Yeah. Like there's a title card two days later when Eleven decides to save Max, which is a weird choice because like Andy's saying, this is a new height to her abilities that we've never seen before. I wanted to see her go in and like find... Um, uh, a weeping Max in her mind palace, like fading from light or something. You know what I mean? Like I, this is the, 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 I thought the implication was she saved Max, but she like Max is alive, but she can't find Max's spirit because the, that was a flashback when she gets to the hospital and sees her physically. It's a flashback to when she yes. went into it. So she technically quote unquote saved Max body wise I, but she still can't find her soul this is the only sense. thing sure. that made me okay with it is the whole concept that when Vecna kills you he absorbs you so even though she saved Max she saved the soulless husk of Max and Max has been absorbed by Vecna like that's the only that part where we're going? I'm like that's pretty cool is that where we're going with yeah well when she like 
does her little mind palacey thing and she's looking around like max max where are you and it's a big empty space yes it's like there's nothing there but he technically didn't absorb her would he because they if he had her then the gates would have stayed open or i guess they did well she technically died it's interesting there's something going on there because they stopped well here's my question we can can talk about it now because but is this one of the huge questions that i was gonna like we kind of need to save for another episode where we're talking about season five predictions but it's really fascinating because i know we're going to get this at least two or three year jump right where it's probably going to be 1989 um are we going to assume max has been in a coma for three years mm-hmm. right and she, is there going to be like a kill bill ego i think <laughs> i i think that uh what i'm imagining and yeah like you said we need to save it but i'm imagining yeah she's going to be in a coma until Vecna's ultimately defeated and like her soul is returned to her no, I hope not, because that would be finale of season five, return of Max. And I want Max Mayfield to be a part of the fight. Uh, what was that uh, episode in season two, The Spy? Maybe Max will be their spy where she's in uh, Vecna's mind causing ha- havoc That's possible. on behalf of. I guess we Hobbit's will get crew. the Max, the character, because there'll be like a mind palace version of her. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So we'll talk about that more in the predictions episode, I suppose. Uh, so then we get we cut to two days later. Everybody's leaving Hawkins. We, it, it lingers on a sign now leaving Hawkins and this giant line of people. It's like Independence Day style. Everybody's heading out because they're like, fuck Hawkins. This is trash. Yeah. And like it's, a, it's the breaking point for many of the citizens of Hawkins. And deservedly so. There's been 22 deaths, uh, but many people are missing. So there's way more than 22 dead and hundreds of people in the hospital. This is finally Andy. I think you got it, buddy. Hmm. Sort of. You didn't get what you want wanted completely. Yeah, they're still like, it's an earthquake. And I'm like, there's vines and shit on the buildings, guys. Well, no, not just the... Uh, so they still played, downplayed the what actually happened. Yeah, but Hawkins they, they tore the band off. What I'm getting to is Ted was redeemed a little bit. Oh, oh, really? Because I have a note here that says, God damn it, Ted. Let I, me down. I thought Ted was... The coolest he's ever been because he wasn't like a. Wow, I read this completely different than you. (laughs) Hold on, let me let me give my piece. This is how I read it. Because Ted's sitting there watching the fucking news, right? And he's he's pretty dorky, but at least he's not buying the propaganda like I would expect him to. Mm -hmm. Like Karen's like, oh, that's hysterical bullshit. It's definitely not a satanic cult. Blah 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 blah. And then you would expect Ted to be like, oh, I don't know. You know how these, you know, that Munson boy. Exactly. That's what the Ted line I expected. But instead, he's like, it's the fucking news. No different than a tabloid these days, which is true. We mainstream media, you know, not to say mainstream media. Like I'm not that guy. Jesus Christ. But I'm just saying, like, you know, there is a, an element of uh, selling the news that's gotten worse and worse over the past few decades. And uh, yeah, I just I, I thought that was a neat line for Ted not to just buy into it, but to kind of he was pretty normalish. He's still a dud. Okay. But he was pretty normalish there, I thought. Okay. How did you guys read it? Or did I just sell you on that reading? I, I agree. I agree with your reading. And like that, that is the best that maybe I, I could have expected. But I, I was just like, you wanted Ted to have the sword that as, had. It, as it panned over <laughs> in its head. I was like, here it is, man. This is your moment. Be like, Karen, we're getting out of here. And like, that's her name, right? Yes, Karen. Like Karen, grab Holly. We're getting out of here. How could you forget Karen Wheeler's I'm, I'm, I'm name, gonna sir? Sa- I'm going to save you all, 
And, uh, yeah. And so we just got like him, like sitting all weird on the couch <laughs> on his lazy boy, clicking the remote. And I was just like, man, he's been looking at the checkbook, bouncing it all day. He's tired. I'm telling you guys, season five. <laughs> God damn it, Andy. It's coming. So what about you, Steve? Well, uh, I, th- I, I thought you were going to say that he wasn't a dud anymore, but I mean, I was like, I, he still sucks, but I, I just, if from a my expectations of Ted are so low, I was actually like, Oh, uh, and from a personal standpoint, the fake news type of shit that people say is incredibly triggering to me. Sure, As sure. That's why who, I distance myself from saying the phrase mainstream media so much. Oh, it's like it's. But at because the same I'm not someone, time, I'm not someone who does news, right? I just film stuff on camera. But the amount of times I've had random ass dumb shit strangers run up to me like, hey, fake news and flip me off. <laughs> I'm not even work for the news. Uh, I have a fucking camera. That means I work for the news. You idiot. Get out of here, you bubble fuck. Like, <laughs> It's such a triggering thing to me. So that's why I'm like, as soon as he started going down that path, I'm like, fucking Ted. We yeah, but they, <laughs> they are propagating the satanic panic because it's making people watch their show and giving them advertising revenue. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what Ted's catching on to. That's a truth and a sad truth about the media. And I was like, hi, Ted. Hi. That's all I'm saying. Hi, Ted. <laughs> exactly I see you. Uh, and we cut to a lot of really good stuff i'm trying to we're running way late on time but a lot of it's so good hey, it's a two and a half hour long episode we're allowed to go long <laughs> we get uh, a bunch of reunions uh the the right outside of the wheeler's house the the pizza gang the california crew rolls up with 11 now reunites with nancy steve dustin karen they all hug karen has a funny little embrace with mike and saying for some reason I don't know why this line was cute and funny, but didn't make any sense. You're never going on vacation again. I wish you were home when most people died in the city <laughs> where I actually, I'm glad you were gone. Right. Am I wrong? Like the fuck Karen, you're, you're going on vacation way more. Cause that's the yeah. only reason you're alive right now. Yeah. Well, you know how mothers be mothers be like, I need to see you in the nest. Yeah. They need to be mothering. Yep. Uh, and then they've, I, I didn't understand this scene. Maybe you guys can explain it to me. They all reunite, you know, Elle's there, everybody's happy and stuff. And then she's like, where's Lucas? And he's in the hospital. And, it's L who's the only one who was actually physically there with Lucas and Max, not physically was actually there, sort of. physically there. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, and she's like, wait, where's Lucas in the hospital? Is he okay? No, you didn't hear. And I'm like, 11 was there. Why is she pretending? What's going on right now? I, I think, just, and that's the interesting wrinkle. I think she's keeping that from everyone that she's the one that technically saved Max. For several reasons, I, I and I think we'll find out about it later, but what's implied in that scene is she has not told anyone that, because even Will is like, hey, what's wrong with Eleven? And Mike's like, oh, she hasn't really been talking to me a little bit, but not really. I think she's keeping this to herself that she has failed, and she feels responsible for what happened to Max, and she doesn't okay. want to face that uh, from her friends. I think you're right. I think you're right. I was just flabbergasted there, like... What did I miss? Because Eleven definitely knows that Max is in the hospital, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I like that. Uh, And then uh, we get a moment where, and this is where I started crying a a third time at the the least. Uh, They go to the the high school gymnasium where everybody's kind of being, it's like a refugee camp. Like they're being sheltered from uh, the, uh, I forget the, the actual word for that, but all the citizens that are hurt and homeless and stuff are housed in the gymnasium and, and Robin and Steve and Dustin disaster shelter. Yeah. A shelter. There you go. They go to, uh, to help to volunteer. So they, they don't know all kinds of blankets and stuff. And, and would you like a tax receipt, you know, write off? And, and Robin's like, no, like they genuinely want to help. And it's, I'm, I'm a sucker. Like it's whatever you want to make of it. 
I started crying, right? Because there are people that are just that good in this world. They do exist. And when they're embodied by Steve and Robin, it hits me harder. And uh, Dustin. Yeah, he's there too. Uh, and they want to stick around and what else can we do to help? And I just started crying. And, uh, you know, they're making PB&Js and, and organizing baby clothes and stuff. Like the real actual fucking work that actually matters in this world that nobody wants to do because it doesn't look cool. Nobody thinks it's awesome that you're there with a name tag folding clothes. But that's the real shit that actually helps people. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool to include in this like bombastic, spectacular finale. Uh, and then we get a cool moment. But I'm 99% sure her name's Vicky. And Robin making peanut it's butter. It's definitely Vicky. She's wearing a name tag that says Vicky. My dude. <laughs> props for reading the name tags I just mentioned. Uh, and there's a really cool moment where at, she's at the very least bisexual, right? Like we, because she's doing the Robin nervous rambling thing. Yeah. And Vicky won't shut up. She's going on and on and on. And, and I, I almost get like an, a character arc vibe that Robin's grown enough to where she's not the one doing that. She's kind of found some, some peace and solace with who she is as a person. Mm -hmm. And she lets Vicky go on and she's almost enjoying it. It's, it's great because it, it, I think it's exactly what you say. Like Robin is, has grown as a person. She knows who she is and she's looking at this character who probably isn't out yet, but clearly is on that path. And Robin recognizes that like, Oh, that's, that's it's literally oh that's where I was at the beginning of the season not necessarily like closeted but nervous and stumbling over sure. my words I thought that was a really cool uh, scene interaction between them yeah I loved it and I, I loved it. I love it when it cuts to Steve, cuts to Steve and he's, he's so like, happy for Robin he's like that's my girl get it and that's that's why people love Steve's character so much is because even though because there's a shot when the giant reunion with the pizza van and the driveway happens where it it shows Steve like the camera kind of pans left a little bit and follows Steve for a moment as Jonathan and Nancy embrace, mm -hmm. uh, which I don't, I don't like the whole Steve Nancy thing. Uh, and we'll go into that on a different episode. I don't hate it. I just think that like, they're so young, let Nancy be single for a while. You know what I mean? Like give sure. and let Steve meet someone else and let Jonathan fucking figure his shit out. Cause he clearly doesn't know what he wants. And that's fine because they're like 17. They're still lying to each other. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. Well, we can talk about it now, but yeah, Jaybird straight up lies to Nancy's face. So they're not okay. Nancy straight up lies to him. We're, we're not okay. Uh, and there's a weird moment where she, uh, she defends Steve, which is great. And J Jonathan's like, <clears throat> uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but then, uh, he says, I'm so sorry I wasn't here. And she said, I'm glad you weren't. And he's like, wait, what? And that's obviously, you know, implying that it's because I got to hang out with Steve the whole time. And that was better because you suck. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so there's that whole vibe. But yeah, it's just like because Steve's going through all that turmoil, but he's still like such a good person that he's able to just be happy for Robin. Like he's not a fucking hater like Mike. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, damn, look at her go. That's awesome. We're making those PB and J's. Uh, and then Dustin goes to talk to uh, Eddie Munson's uncle who I only know I as hate this scene. Mr. So Munson. Much. Why? Because he says, I'm going to put up these signs until I find my nephew. He's innocent, which that's great. You know, like sure. he cares about his nephew. And then Dustin says, I was there when the earthquake happened. And he's like, oh, shit. And then he gives him his little uh, guitar pick dog tag. That's cool. And then he says he fought and died for this town. And he just goes with it. And I'm like, well, I what, thought what fighting does the uncle believe just ha it, it, why is he not like, wait, what the fuck happened to my nephew? The way I read that scene was. I'm not going to jumble this emotional territory with a bunch of exposition and trying to get you to believe that you believe what I'm saying. But at the same time, uh, we it established in the first or second episode early on in the season four that 
Eddie Munson's uncle is kind of jiving with supernatural stuff because he's the one that tells him about the whole story about Victor Creel and all that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I think Victor's behind all this somehow. I think maybe he broke out or I don't know. Right. So it kind of establishes that he's okay with supernatural, you know, timey wimey things, if you will. Sure. And so the way I read it was I was there when the earthquake happened because that's what everybody's talking about around you. Just give you a frame of reference. But I want you to know that he's dead. A, I'm not going to be a dick and not let you know that because that's kind of a Barb's parents thing. Yeah. But also that he didn't go down for nothing. Like he didn't just die happenstance. Like he was active in that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Go into more detail. I just need you to know this. And I agree with all of like the emotional intent of the scene. It's just like the logic of the, there's no what? <laughs> and yeah. Like, and there, I feel like there needed to be follow up question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's Excuse just, me. He's, he's not even looking at him. Raised? He's just crying. And you know, I thought it was powerful, but I agree with you. It's, it's not perfect. It could have been one of those things. Like what if he had turned to him and was like, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he could have left it, maybe at just the, I was there with him with when the earthquake happened, like just the implication and then giving him the dog tag, that's fine. But he like, saved me something. Yeah. Things, like, yeah. Cause he could, you know, he saved me from the earthquake. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, after this, we cut to they, they need to hide L. So apparently they're going to stay in Hawkins. They're like the only families that are not going to leave, which is probably not the best idea. Uh, but I don't know how many people are even left. Like there's probably had to be a town of only like three or four thousand people and three thousand of them just left. But a thousand of them died. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Are just they the, hiding from Sullivan still? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Sullivan's still out there. So they got to hide L. Uh, and then, so they go to Hopper's old cabin that L was hiding at. There's still an old roach filled, I'm assuming box of egos in there. And they start cleaning <laughs> up again. Cause the last time they were in there was the huge fight with the mind flare. Right. Um, and then, uh, there's this really cool moment where L goes into her old bedroom and she telekinetically slams the door, but leaves it open three inches mm -hmm. as she always does. That was an awesome touch. Uh, and then. Well, that's when we find out that Will still has a connection. I didn't really super dig this scene either. Noah Schnapp's usually like the strongest. And I, I wasn't buying all of this. So like it was fine. But I, I, they were kind of wrapping things up. But basically, Will's like, oh, no, he's alive for sure. I can still now that I'm back in yeah, Hawkins, I, I can feel it. Remember that I'm this guy in the show. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a whole big thing again in season five. So I just want you guys to gear up for that. I got the Will tingle back. It was gone while I was in California. I was just painting and, and living my life as a little sad Bob Ross. I'm like a sad version of Bob Ross. <laughs> and that, that was this was another big disappointment for me. It was just like, we're going to do the same thing with Will because we're not sure what else to do with him. And here's his tingles again. And even showing the tingles. Well, I mean, that's like, an oh, established okay. power he has to this character. Yeah. So it, it doesn't make sense that he would just not be able to do it anymore. And I know? think Will is going to be one of the main characters. Oh, again, it's going to be awesome season five. in season five. Yeah, for Ag sure. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and then Elle's, uh, we cut back. That's when we get the flashback of her looking for Max. Cause she's doing the spin the bottle thing, which is a thing that her and Max did together. Uh, and then we get Hopper. He finally shows back up. Uh, it was actually a pretty subdued reunion with Ellen. Yeah. And him. Yeah. Was, right. I wanted like a, but it was more like, I knew you were alive. You know, I slow mo just, Kate Bush. You know what I mean? He's just like, Hey kid. Yeah, I wear hats now. It was really subdued, but it really builds like in terms of heartstrings. Because when they first see each other, you're like, oh, this isn't as big and pompous or pomp and circumstance as I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. But as they kind of sit and have this very quiet moment, it you just are just you, you slowly are welling with happiness more and more and more as that scene progresses. Yeah, it was like, the hoppiest that he's been. I stole your look, kid. This whole season. Yeah, this, yeah. it was definitely the hoppiest that he's been because he comes in. And he's like, hey, kid. Uh, Andy had a great joke when he walked in. Do you remember what that was? I, I wear hats now. I wear hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, well, he's always <laughs> worn the Indiana Jones hat, but now he's got a baseball cap. Yeah, it's yeah. different. 
He didn't even wear it backwards or nothing. <laughs> It'd be so weird if he had it on like sideways. Saw, <laughs> <Sa>, dude. <laughs> they gave me some purple sticky on the way here. Uh, I'm like thin now. It's <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, there was a cool moment between Hopper and Mike as well that I really loved because they've had that strained relationship ever since he started dating Elle. Uh, and, you know, he's like, hey, you've grown. And Mike's like, yeah, I have because he has grown as a character. And even Chris is starting to like him a little bit again. And <laughs> and then he's like, you've you've shrunk. That was cool. And, little line. and then they hugged. And then it starts snowing and baby Holly's so happy, except that it's otherworldly. Uh, you know, Sulfur. foreboding sulfuric <laughs> snow. Uh, and they, there's this rising ash, score. Yeah. Ash. Sarf- no, it's called sulfuric snow. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's, it's uh, cause you get the theme of the show, like the, but then it has this rising epic Hans Zimmerness to it uh, as they reveal the desolation of Smaug. And uh, I really appreciated that. I thought that was cool. Pretty, pretty good ending. It's implied that, that volcanic activity had just started around that time, right? Like the gate opened and all this, all well, this we stuff saw with the- Robin and all of them wasn't necessarily like volcanic. And then when they see the, when the music hits and the ash hits, that's implied that that's when all the fire is starting. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's uh. well, we saw the plumes of smoke earlier though, is what I'm, yeah, but there's a difference between plumes of smoke and then fucking Mordor. Now, now, yeah, now it's shit and like fire and yeah, brimstone and lightning and shit. The lightning's probably new. I, I think it's getting worse. I don't know. And all the plants are starting to die. Mm-hmm. But I caught the vibe that they just now kind of noticed all that. Well, I'm, they definitely just noticed it, but I I think it's slowly corrupting the world, and that's that's the message that we are to be left with. Like the pumpkins in season two. Well, I just like them pumpkins. Mm-hmm. And all the farmers are going to be like, God damn, it's happening again. Uh, Cletus is managing my crops again. He's Look sabotaging at me. He, he caused the earthquake so he could beat me at the fair. I will never financially recover from this. <laughs> all my pumpkins are dead. <laughs> but and that is the end. That's the end. Uh, thank you guys so much for sticking with us. But real quick, we got more. We got more. Don't you worry. Don't go anywhere. We got to do our chocolate puddings. Andy, you have the unfortunate yes. job of going first because that means you have to pick yours first. Oh, I'm good. What's your number three? Uh, my number three is the uh, death of Ed. Well, I, I'm going to cheat and call it both the deaths of Eddie and Max. Uh, just uh, the heart wrenching uh, acting on display from both of them and uh, the uh, the effect effectiveness of max's death because like that she was not only like my uh safe card like she was for you i was like i know that would be tragic but i can see how it would be affecting and driving and stuff for the overall plot eddie's i was disappointed in the decision the writing decision to do it to that character but i thought that it was played so well by joseph quinn that uh yeah it had to go on my list awesome awesome and uh steve what's your number three uh, my number three is Hop with a Sword. Uh, such a cool, like I said, I never knew I wanted that in my life until we saw that. And it's it's one of the one of the things in the show, one of the few things in this episode where you're just like, oh, this is just a hundred percent unadulterated fan service awesomeness, and inject that shit into my veins for Season, sure. Thank you, <coughs> Chris. What about you? My number three. I'm struggling really hard here. I think we're all going to have the same number one. I'm I'm pretty confident in I don't, that. I don't know. I think you and I will. If if you're confident, then it's okay. It's there's only one answer, and everyone else is wrong. Correct. <laughs> They're lying to themselves. Obviously, the moment with Max, uh, because of the affiliation with what happened to me in my life with my dad, 
is far and away the most some of the most touching, hard hitting shit I've ever seen in television, period, because of that. So I'm leaving that off just to make room for some other stuff. Uh, So my number three, I'm going to go with the Lucas transition. Uh, Kayla McLaughlin floored me in this episode. And so when he has that turn and it's actually all a fantasy that Vecna is creating and we didn't know that what Max was doing was working, just the seamlessness and, and shockingness of that. Uh, was was so well done. I'm putting that as my number three. Andy, what is your number two? My number two is the first kiss between Hop and Joyce. I've Aww. just wanted it for so long, and it was played so well, and it was so true to character. I feel that. Describing, like, I've been dreaming about this date for so long. She comes up, like, all coy, like, you know, we still got to have that date. And he's like, the fucking breadsticks. <laughs> yeah, I like, love that. Yeah, the honesty it, of, it, it actually, beautiful. I just want the food at this point. And I, I, it was just so heartwarming to see these two characters that you've been shipping for so many years at this point to see it finally pay off. It was wonderful. So that's my number two. Steve, what's your number two? My number two is a cheat. Uh, it's cheat away, my it's friend. A cheat. The middle it's, forty-five. <laughs> <laughs> it's even worse than that, man. My cheat for number two is literally season four. <laughs> yeah, season four. No, it's literally every quiet character moment scene where it's one or two characters or two characters, uh, one or two. Uh, having a quiet scene together biggest cheat you've ever done in my it is it's every time a character talked to a character because god damn that was good in this episode this episode (laughs) is there one is there one or two specific that you can give us well the the hop hop and joyce uh all the way down to robin and vicky like that's the breath i think all of these quiet uh, hop and 11 when they come back like it's so hard for me to kind of pick out which ones are my favorite because all of them are amazing. All yes. of them are great. There, there is one I uh, one I'm putting above all the others, but I do think this episode of uh, is just the pure example of how to do one-on-one character scenes that really meant meant a lot. Even and this is one we kind of glossed over in the recap, but it I was shocked at how much it hit me. Um, and that is when they show back up uh, at the hospital at the end to see Max and just Lucas running up and hugging Eleven. Mm-hmm. I was surprised at how much that meant to me because those characters started off with such confrontation between the two of them in season one and to see how that relationship has grown to where he's just honestly just so happy to see her and the way they hug each other is kind of like, ah, my little heart. Yeah. Guys, what are you doing to my little heart? Yeah. But that's my number two. I agree with you throughout this whole episode. I was just uh, so dumbfounded with just the sheer knowledge, uh, self-knowledge, the introspection of how much I love these characters, how good of a job the Duffer brothers have done and get, get me to fall in love with these people uh, and how well they were doing uh, with celebrating those moments. So I agree with you. My number two is the pizza goggles. Oh uh, yeah. When Eleven puts those on, just the composition of that shot. I, I can't explain how it means more to me than what it is in that scene because it's just the perfect encapsulation of what this show is so good at, at, at taking uh, the dramatic and juxtaposing it with the absurd uh, and just meshing it so perfectly, right? Because you watch something like Dark, another show on Netflix that everybody puts up with Stranger Things. If like you're edgy and cool, you say, fuck Stranger Things, watch Dark. I just think they're light years different because what Stranger Things does so well is there's so much levity mixed in with uh, all of the the science fiction and the fantasy and the drama, right? Uh, and they're they're so good at that. And this scene just encapsulates that perfectly. Just those, those pizza goggles on the telekinesis girl. Uh, Andy, mm. you're number one. Well, I mean, there's only one answer. You, like we can you say it at the same time. I think it's three words, right? Yeah. I three, mean, two, one. Master, Master of puppets. puppets. Yes. Like, yeah. 
with a fucking bullet. I'm so glad I didn't chime in with my number one. (laughs) (laughs) Yuri in the helicopter. Yeah, I I mean, that's just, (laughs) that's four words, Andy. (laughs) That's just so, Andy's like, Heath Bar! Wait, uh, I just think, yeah, that, that was so... Oh my God. Epically done. The montage. I mean, to be able to work it in and to to Dustin banging his head in the background, cutting with Vecna chasing Max. And then Eddie's just like playing like, this is fucking crazy. Look at the bats coming at me. Fucking like (laughs) daycare Montgomery having his little pop-up moment. Yes. We got to see him him back and it was, uh, it's like, don't you fucking love stranger things was really the the only song that I heard. And I'm like, yes, I do. Yeah. Anyway, that's how it goes. Oh, and it's also intercut with Jason attacking. Like, yes. yeah, there's all kinds of shit going on, and it's just like, let's fucking go. This is a very hype moment. Yeah. It's awesome. Steve, all the hype. What was your wrong number one? My wrong number one is also a quiet moment between two characters, and that is just Lucas and Max. Uh, just, just anytime, like from the moment that they're having their quiet, you know, writing letters to each other, and sure. then when she's in peril and he's, you know, don't go. All that stuff, the, any scene with the two of them in this episode is just amazing and they crush it and it it was, it was just great and I loved all of it. I you already used you. that one, Stephen. That was your number two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, shut Steve, up, Andy. Steve was like, my number two is every quiet moment between two characters except for the one that I'm using for my number one because I want to specifically talk about that one. Yeah, I that agree with my favorite. Buddy. It's um, fair. Do you, I also you know, had... Like Caleb crushed it. Mm-hmm. I had the Joyce and Hopper moment, the kiss as a potential uh, pudding. I had uh, Eleven's entrance in Max's nightmare at the snowball as a potential moment i starred it that was a very strong oh, contender top of the morning to you yeah top of the morning to you and she threw him uh i had the the mattress scene where steve does the somersault and then they do the, like the montage mm. of everybody jumping through i love that like I so, got, dude when he did that i got wet <laughs> steve was gushing on andy's couch we've, we've got a towel i, I already flipped the cushion like it's it's hit if eddie munson were here he'd have been like i don't know what the stains are i've also got hopper's sword as a possible pudding and the gear up montage where they were all kind of uh in their po- post-apocalyptic get up right before they they go out like nancy specifically that was awesome she looked mm-hmm. amazing um so yeah there's uh, tons of moments Ray. to pick yeah, dude, absolutely. Can't believe you just say that scene and you don't mention the beret on Robin. Let's get to the egos section, see what we found. I think I got some good ones. I've mentioned a lot of them in the actual coverage that we just went through. Uh, let's go. We're running way late on time as quickly as you can. Steve, what did you get? We got a Hulk Hogan shirt. Two of them. Hulkamania, baby. Hulkamania is running wild. They're wearing matching Hogan shirts. Yeah, they were. It was yeah. adorable. Uh, just want me to blaze through all mine? Yes. Okay. We had a Chianti reference, which I, I don't Silence know. Silence of the Lambs. I, yeah, it reminded me of Silence of the Lambs. I don't know if that's and what nice going Chianti. for. I already mentioned the Shadow, the Shadow reference. Uh, we got a Fast Times at Ridgemont High reference. We got it, the Tarantino trunk shot. Uh, and then the songs that I caught on there was Fields of Coral by Van Kellis, R.I.P. to that legend. Uh, that was a that was a song that they've used previously in other seasons. They also use a song from other seasons. Uh, when it's cold, I'd like to die. 
by Moby and uh, Every Breath You Take by The Police were featured in previous seasons as well. This is what Chris kind of spoke to earlier where they're actually referencing parts of the show in the past. And then lastly, this is my favorite one in a long time and you guys were in the room with me, but the ending song for the credits is yeah. uh, Spellbound by Susie and the Banshees and I fucking love Susie and Steve the Banshees. Steve was <laughs> just... The way you guys are freaking out about freaking out about Metallica, I was like, yeah! yeah Susie and the Banshees, baby! <laughs> he did. He did. He, that was an actual <laughs> quote of steve two hours ago uh andy egos um murray refers to uh hop's plan as a dirty dozen plan mm -hmm. it's the charles bronson movie yep uh we talked about it while we were sitting around the uh marty mcfly jackets that they were rocking i don't know if they were exactly marty mcfly well, the but marty, they were marty mcfly is a vest oh that's true but the color scheme is i think identical. it's intentional yeah, color it's scheme and the puffiness um uh, they were reading uh, the talisman, or Lucas was reading a Stephen King novel, The Talisman. So Stephen King co-wrote that with Peter Straub. I've never read it. I was trying to look into the plot real quick to see if it was anything we could look forward to for season five or because he's reading that to Max. But it's 12 year old Jack Sawyer embarks on an epic quest, a walk from the seacoast of New Hampshire to the California coast. So maybe that's Max, right? California mm -hmm. uh, to find the talisman that will save his dying mother's life. So I think that's very much intentional why he was reading that book to Max what the Duffers put in there on purpose. But yeah, uh, let's see. You need here. the talisman to save Max. Well, that might be season five's Ooh. thing. They need to go hunt for that. Damn, that's good. Save that <laughs> for the next episode of streaming things. <laughs> uh, somebody refers to uh, Hop's Cabin, I think, is the Fortress of Solitude. Uh, Argyle. Yeah, yeah Argyle. Um, it's like the Fortress of Solitude, man. It's like the fort Fortress of Griminess. Dude, you do a bullseye argyle. <laughs> you think so, man? I think you'd crush it, dude. It's just all that purple shmacky I used to smoke, man. <laughs> he kind of um, smacked me into his like whole vibe. A dumb little, uh, dumb little uh, cultural thing for the time, but uh, the bread that was sitting around when they were in the disaster shelter had a little label on it that said it was 29 cents. And I was like, God damn, bread used to be cheap. Uh, so yeah, I, I <laughs> inflation ego. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. We're so struggling inflation around here. Ego. But no, I, I just thought that was a nice little '80s touch. Yeah, like, yeah, shit used to be a lot cheaper. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but there's a Metallica song in this. <laughs> Did you <laughs> write that down? Master of Puppets. You well, didn't write I, Master of Puppets. In the I, I, I wrote it this the, the first note that he plays. I burnt. I'm like, that's Master of Puppets. Dun, 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 dun. Definitely Master of Puppets. I could play that part. And so I'm starting start writing it down, and then like it became a whole thing. But yes, I wrote it down immediately. Yeah. It's, it's, fucking it's, in my, it's in my little Lego section, so I had to read it. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. So I've got a bunch of stretches and then a few that I'm really proud of. So I wrote Conan, which I believe is an 80s. Yeah, that was early 80s, I think. Conan the Barbarian. Schwarzenegger? Yeah, I think that that sword is is, is very Conan, but I'd have to, to double check and compare. Uh, I think that Nancy's outfit reminded me of Aliens Ripley. Mm -hmm. Uh, with her hair and everything like when she had the shotgun and the, the way she was dressed i think that's very ripley oh yeah i didn't mention this but i th i think they're I, that reminded me the, the trio of them reminded me of red dawn yes i think the beret is specifically red dawn mm. but when you go to eddie and dustin the way that they're dressed uh i think it's road warrior uh because they're just so such a motley get up that sure. it's post-apocalyptic and i think it's we've already had a, a mad max reference obviously with the character of max but mm -hmm. i think it's a road warrior reference uh, i'm gonna go with that that's one that i thought was a stretch these are all stretches and then i think there's 
through the lens of Argyle, I realized I think it's a direct reference to uh, Christopher Nolan's Inception. A lot of what goes on between uh, Vecna and, and, and Eleven and the various stages of the mind palaces and the dream within a dream stuff. Uh, when the mind fights, if you the mind fights, man. Uh, I really think uh, the next two are pretty cool. Is Eddie and Dustin right after when they say is the most metal ever shouting at each other. They're so hyped from the guitar playing a direct reference to Bill and Ted's excellent adventure or perhaps bogus journey. I think so, but maybe not. I could see it before the camera cuts. They went yeah, (laughs) right after the camera cuts. Uh, And then this is awesome. Really proud of this one because I've seen this movie so many times. I'm sure our listeners will get it, but you can't write in because I'm about to say it. The uh, Max's dream like her memory that's that's happy where she's skateboarding that place in LA where they're all uh, hanging out. That's a reference to Terminator two where the T 1000s chasing them uh, when they're on the motorcycle, John Connor's on the back and he's chasing them in the semi truck. He goes down the, the aqueduct. The, it's the, it's the aqueduct, man. That's where they're at. Mm, I'm pretty solid. sure. I'm like 99% sure that that was a direct reference to Terminator two. Uh, Cause that, that long chase scene is, is awesome. And I remember thinking, I want to drive in that thing. And then Who they're all, they're just skateboarding in a tiny version of it. I'm pretty sure that's what that is. Uh, so that's that's my last ego, though. That brings us to the end of our show, our long finale of season four extravaganza. Stay tuned. Don't forget to write in options of things we should cover next, but also options to put up on our Patreon poll for movies we could potentially vote for. Also write in uh, your thoughts on the season because we're going to be doing a mailbag episode very soon. Uh, so look forward to that. But before we part ways, ultimately the reason you're all really here let's figure out the mad lib that we created that i was terrified we would hear oh let's let's find oh, out let's. this mad libs that we end our stranger things for coverage with is called stranger talk that's very fitting here we go are you a bulbous fan of the show Ew. i am have you memorized your favorite character's dialogue by nostril i have expunge your memory by matching these quotes to the pupils who said them. Well, <laughs> number one, Aborigines don't lie. <laughs> Damn it. Number two, mornings are for coconut syrup and contemplation. <laughs> That's true in Hawaii. Number three, why are you choking this chicken door locked? <laughs> number four, it's called Code Shut Your Adam's Apple. <laughs> Number five, there's more to life than biblical boys, you know. Ew. (laughs) Don't like it. (laughs) Number six, I can't believe I'm going to postulate in a secret Russian base with Steve the Force Harrington. (laughs) Nice. Your answers, number one, that was 11. Number two, Ryan Gosling Hopper. Number three, (laughs) that was Dustin. Number four, that was Erica. Number five, that was Loose Max. And number six, that was Robin. Don't like it. And thus concludes Stranger Talk. (laughs) All right. Thank God that's over. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us this long. If you listen to the end, that's all the time we have right now. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this was Streaming Things. Happy streaming. Streaming Things. Streaming Things.
All right, guys, it's Argyle here. I just want to hop in and give a big fucking thank you to all our patrons, man, keeping the lights on and shit, helping us buy that purple sticky. We really appreciate it. By the way, uh, if you're not a patron yet and you're still listening to this, try before you deny. That's all I'm saying, man. So big shout out to A. Wells. Uh, double A, Aaron. <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> Aaron? Sorry, man. I'm having a real struggle with all these errands. There's Aaron, there's Aaron B, Aaron K. Uh, where was I? Aaron L. Sorry, I had too much purple sticky, man. Adam C, Adam R, Amanda, Amelia, Andrew, man, Andy, Angela, Ariana, Ashley, Brenda, Cake. Thank you, Cake. Thank you, Cake. Super dope name. I love Cake, by the way. Carlo, Carmelita, Casey, man, Katarina, Cody, Cryptoholic, Danielle, E. Lopez, Emily, Enza, Erica, Gavin, Glenn, Hannah, Jacqueline, Jacob, Jay, Jared. Holy shit, man. There's so many cool people in here. Jeanette, AJ, man, uh, Jessica, Jimmy, Joel, Joel D., John, Jordan, Katharina, Katie, Kayla, Carrie, Kevin, Kimberly, Kyle, Lady Prish. What a dope name, man. Lisa, Marcus, Michelle, Mike, Mindy, Monique, Nick, Orion, Paula, Phil, Reese, the Reed family, the whole family, man. That's awesome. Robin, Sandra, Sarah, Shay, Stephen, Tara, Thomas, Thomas J and Tyler, you guys are all awesome. Keep rocking it. Smoke that purple sticky and stay tuned in, man.